everybody and welcome to some inter-season goodness from the sequelizers. I am your host, as always, Jack Chambers, and joining me, also as always, it's Matt Stockton. Please do not tell anybody about my mouse. <laughs> <laughs> I, I won't tell anyone apart from the, you know, hundreds of people listening, Matt, it's fine. The police. Or the police, <laughs> it's fine. Speaking of my mouse, also joining us, it's Tim Maton. Mr. Stockton, what you've just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things that I've ever heard. At no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could have been considered a rational thought. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. <laughs> See, it's like Tim knew what was coming. <laughs> pretty much. Pretty much. You read your mind. And uh, this episode is, in fact, a Patreon pick. An executive producer pick ladies and gentlemen we've had a couple earlier on in the interseason but this one it's an interesting one it's something i would never have thought about in a million years i'm not gonna lie it's never a topic i've you know we've talked about a few quite a few different topics on this in season i know in fact previously when we talked about accents for example when we were kind of laying out the interseason i was like oh man can't wait to talk about accents that's like that's one of my passions it's one of my things and tim was like Maybe we could cut the accents episode. I don't. I don't really care. And I was like, No, Tim, don't you dare! You leave my baby alone. And then, and yeah, I find it fascinating how we kind of come and approach these different topics in different ways, especially ones that are voted for by patron, as we have with the opening scenes episode, and we have executive producer picks as well, like based on a true story we had previously, and of course the musicals episode. Now I'm going to talk about something very different. But before we get to that, and before I reveal it, if you haven't already seen it on your podcast playing app, I'd like to thank the executive producers and our wonderful patrons on patreon.com slash sequelizers because they get ad-free episodes, they get bonus content, they get entire bonus episodes during the interseason, they get outtakes during the main seasons, they get early access, they get exclusive merch, discounts on merch, and... As I said, if you become an executive producer, you can actually get a shout out on the show. And if you go to the highest tier above that, you get to pick episodes as well. Our wonderful executive producers are Lead Guitars, Andy Steen, Take a seat. On bass, Mike Salvia. On keyboards, Mr. Cool, Josh Van der Sluice. And on drums, Spazzy McGee, Mike Belcher, Tough Guy, Zenos, Shortstop, Josh Miles. Fancy Pants, get over here. And. The man who has picked this week's topic of cinematic teacher's lounge. Yeah, we'll get into what that means in a moment. <laughs> Mr. Jonathan Berth Clark. You guys are on security detail. Your job is to make sure no one outside this room knows what we're doing in here. The future of the band depends on you. Thank you for your support, gentlemen. We very much appreciate it. And thank you to everyone who supports us on Patreon. From the executive producer tier and everything in between. We very much appreciate all of your support. And... Uh, yeah, you make this show possible. You you make this interseason possible, and uh, we're gearing up for season nine as we speak, and that's going to be twelve episodes because the patrons have made it possible. So if you would like to support us, and if you have the means, I know we're still recovering from the pandemic and stuff, <laughs> and a lot of people mm. are still being affected by it. But if you're able to, we'd very much appreciate it. But we totally understand. You know, times are still hard, so no pressure. Don't worry. <laughs> so. With that out of the way, gentlemen, should we talk about some cinematic teachers' lounges and what, what that actually means and what the request from Mr. Firth Clark actually entailed? 
<laughs> yeah. Okay, so I, I actually asked for some clarification from uh, from John because I, I, <laughs> I was like, oh, do you mean this? And he went, no. Absolutely and I, not. No. And I was like, ah, that makes that incredibly more difficult task so just to clarify first of all this is actually a bit of a call not callback as such but more of a progression from something we did as one of the most early interseason content things was it series five interseason five point something and it was the idea of a cinematic crisis squad the idea that you know as the pandemic was just about to hit we thought we'd have a discussion about disaster relief and all those things and, and people jumping in and saving the fucking day basically and it was who uh, would you... in season 5.5 there we go. April of 2020. So there you go. Good God. We didn't even know what we were in for at that point. I know. Yeah. That, that was literally, that was during the first lockdown here in the UK. Yeah. So yeah, that's how. That's I how say this now. <laughs> I say this now and, and you know, I, I record episode in a year's time going, God, we didn't even know back then either. Um, <laughs> but yes. Yeah, so the idea was that in, in, in that, in the face of a crisis, who would you want? Three individuals from all across all spans of film to make a team, basically. And we all had our different reasons of why we would bring these people in and they would be the best unit, the best team to to deal with any particular crisis. Some of us went for specifically more the medical side of things, some scientific, some PR, and it was all very interesting and showed a very keen look at how we, as three audience members, see both movies affected by character and also, more importantly, how we see just disasters in general. Was like, well, you know, how we how we... Uh, broke down the task. The teacher's lounge is tricky. And I said to John, do you mean teachers or do you mean people who teach people? I.e. people you can <laughs> learn things from. Because that's a big, broad thing. You can then do like Yoda and Mr. Miyagi and just real mentors across yeah, time. instructors and mentors yeah. and stuff. And what, what does that entail? What's the difference? Mm, yeah. yeah. And he said, no, a teacher who teaches in a class. And we're like, well, I was like, <laughs> Shit, that's that's quite limiting. Um, so we're going to talk about obviously some thoughts in general, and then in, in the second half, as always, we've got we've got three picks each to make up our, our our our. Well, we'll we'll come up to how we've interpreted the question, um, but three teachers specifically to form a unit. So, let's start with how films address teachers. As said before, there are examples of people you learn from, and it really is a question uncomfortably of society we only accept a certain form of teacher if somebody teaches you outside a capacity of what you've learned in school in this particular instance that doesn't count there's no qualification recognized by some <laughs> bureaucratic board of assholes therefore what you've learned is irrelevant it's like oh i learned to fight from this individual doesn't matter i learned how to read from this experience from this fuck you don't care what about like and and there are certain things we can maybe some even our own choices later we're going to wangle with like well, that kind of counts um but teachers are usually framed in three different ways the first is they are allies these are the main protagonists of the film or a very strong side supporting role and they are there to effectively be everything a teacher is on paper everything someone thinks of in the best teacher they've ever had in their life someone who is going to be influential and insightful and informative and strange entertaining and charming and really when you get through school you think thank fuck i had that person in my life to put me on the right track even if it was only a couple of years they'll never remember me but i remember them 
that's what you tend to make the films about teachers. Then you have the antagonists. And if you're framing it as a teenage side of things and you're framing it for certain things, you can have it as these people ruin my fucking life. I hate them. I wish the worst pain upon them. And et cetera, et cetera. And that can go from literally the, the, the comical and stupid uh, to the very severe and, and, and very traumatic. And then the third one is teachers as a device, just a, as, as Tim sort of mentioned off air, a background to things. They're, mm. they're just, they just happen to be there as a joke or a punchline or, or a, almost just part of the location on the set. Yeah, right? very much so. Yeah. In a school, you're going to have teachers. Yeah. Yeah, I think there's, there's, there's films that are very much about the relationship between student and teacher, mm. and they can, be, they can take it from the teacher's point of view, they can take it from the pupil's point of view. Um, but then there's plenty of films out there that are set in schools because it's such a universal experience, even though obviously it differs greatly from culture to culture. Yeah. Most places have some form of formal education in place now. Um, you can have a lot of films that are set in schools where the teachers are just kind of there. They're part of the backdrop in the same way that the buildings yeah. are. Um, you know, I can think of, you know, plenty of films that are set in schools, even, you know, to a degree, a lot of the, you know, taking the most famous kind of uh, franchise that's set in a school, Harry Potter, there's yeah, certain yeah. characters, yeah, there's certain definitely. teacher characters who are there because they are mentors and they are tutors and they, they do impart knowledge and they become important to the emotional development of the characters and all those kind of things. And then there's the teachers who are just kind of there. Yeah. Like, you know, the, 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 the herbology <laughs> teacher, like, yeah, she's, you know, she's, <laughs> She's uh she's one of the house heads, but it's Hufflepuff, so it doesn't care. You know, it doesn't doesn't matter, and yeah. uh, she's just doing her stuff in the background. And it's just that we occasionally get lessons in that classroom with her doing her thing in the background, as the setting for a scene that isn't actually about that. Yeah, as, as incidental as Tom Cruise in Cocktail is a bartender, and in other films, a bartender is someone at the back, literally yeah. just sliding the drink to the person who's having a conversation that you're actually following. That yeah, yeah, it's it's very much a case of set dressing and yeah entirely Tim. Or, or or they're the person that the detective is asking hey did you this girl was yes, here that, that, yeah. two nights ago you seen her it's like it doesn't actually matter that he's a bartender he's just person in scene mm, to push the scene yeah. along i don't want no trouble <laughs> <laughs> i just want to get these kids to school i don't want no trouble <laughs> <laughs> yeah. let me let me squint at this photograph a little bit so i can kind of like mm. i remember them oh yeah i remember two her. nights back anyway. <laughs> yeah she was in the back of my class it's a very tricky one to discuss because um, obviously we're going to go into our own personal experiences because we have a fucking night with a, you know actual psychological ramblings because I <laughs> hated school and I think school failed me and I failed school uh, in the sense that the, the institution yeah and also as a kid you hate the I hate it I wanted to, I mean I was one of those classic because like, I want to burn this school down I want to blow the school up and blah 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 it didn't mean the actual building or the people in it I don't want to see any harm to come to anybody I knew for example I, I think the teenager being in my primary school thinking but if I blew up this school they just sent me to a different school <laughs> um and it, it's more the institute you want the institution of control to go the fuck away mm, and a yeah. school is mostly about controlling you it's about um you know some would say it's about preparing you for the life ahead some would say it's making you think get ready for a <laughs> shitty life of in, in capitalism where you have to take it's, your work yes, home it, with you <laughs> pre preparing you for a life ahead but whether that's a good thing or a bad mm. thing yeah free thought fuck you um so yeah so schools are very controversial and as such a thing but obviously obviously education is massively important we all agree on that and teachers or the, the whoever is imparting education to you 
can be a really formative individual positively or negatively. And films love to draw on that shit. But in the same way with like, say, musical biopics, I think the best thing I can draw up is the Key and Peele sketch, The Substitute Teacher. <laughs> it seems to hit a lot of the... I know it's just literally, you know, a very kind of one or two note joke uh, about mispronouncing names. But just like, oh yeah, okay, I'm a substitute teacher. You think you're going to have, you know, make, play some jokes with me, say a stupid name? Now, where's Jaqueline at? Do you mean Jacqueline? Damn it, you say your name right. That kind of thing. It's hey, like, hey, kids are yeah, don't you test me, yeah. kids. Yeah. Um, and that's, you, you do get this, this, this sort of clear divide. It's very rare. I mean, I think I've, I've got a few examples, but it's very rare you'll get a film about a teacher that doesn't really show the school side of things because the teacher just has their own life. It's like, no, 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 no. Society likes to see you in a certain place. I like to know where mm. you are. And that place is school. Um, so you have like, weird enough, I know there's, there's heavy elements of it, but uh, Soul, Joe Gardner played by, well, voiced by Jamie Foxx. It's really about him playing music and him appreciating life for what it is. Yes, the school angle and you know how you sort of bleeds into it nicely and he becomes a nice teacher because of it and realizes that teaching is an important thing for him and, and I think he can pass on to kids and the next generation, et cetera, et cetera. But yeah, there are very few examples where it's just like, right, this person happens to be a teacher. Uh, or, or, or weirdly enough, Green Street, where uh, Charlie Hunnam plays a history teacher, but really it's about him being a football thug. <laughs> You're mm. like, yeah. Yeah. what? <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I find those things fascinating because you don't tend to learn this. It's almost if people will say, as, as a punchline, oh, by the way, I teach. You teach? You What? <laughs> and then you cut to one classroom <laughs> once. And it's like, oh, shit, yeah, there they are. It's, it's a bit like the joke in uh, X-Men 2 of uh, the art teacher. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, because obviously the a lot of the X-Men are teachers technically at the school. They teach in the school. You don't really think... Yeah. Um, yeah, I think it's it's a lot of it is to do with the way society views teaching in that we see it as it's a vocation rather than a job. Yes. You yes know, it's true. something where like you're you're called to be a teacher. You know, you don't do it just because you want a paycheck. You do it because it's important to you. And, and you know, and there's there's things to be said for. Yeah. Like teaching is incredibly important. Education is incredibly important. But also at the end of the day, they are just people who were paid to do a job. Yeah. Um, and but but in fiction, we don't like to think of them like that because in society we we like to think that you know oh no but that you know they really care. It's it's very uh and and it speaks to the expectations we put on teachers as well, where you know they're expected almost to oh you, they're going to be at home doing work on you know getting ready for the next class and putting in extra you know uh, all this kind of extra stuff and so many of these films are about them developing like a special relationship with a kid who needs a lot of extra attention and you know all that kind of stuff and it's like yeah but they're not getting paid for any of that shit <laughs> um yeah. and and we don't like to see teachers who are just kind of like almost like punching in and out and like oh okay you know it's uh it's five o'clock i've done my marking for the day I'm off to you know the pub now kind of thing. It's it's rare that we get that presentation of a teacher where it's just a job to them. 
it's it's always something more whether it is a vehicle for them to torment children yeah, yeah. or mm, yeah. uh you know this kind of you know deep spiritual role where it's like no you know i'm here to inspire these kids it's like i've got to get through these lot, kids al- almost every teacher that i have known has to some extent been like oh no fuck it i'm just going to show them a video tomorrow <laughs> <laughs> yeah like yeah. there's it's rare we see that side. Well, this is part of it. So I mentioned earlier the big the big key divide between the good teachers, bad teachers, antagonist, ally sort of thing. And we tend to see the good teachers in inverted commas as the friendly fuckers, uh, the, the the ones who sit down and say, "Listen, I know you've been struggling, so let's just have a talk. Like you know, just I, two adults. Let's talk. What's up? Let's let's rap, kid. And it's like, oh Jesus Christ, yeah. what is this? Turn, turn the chair around. Turn the chair around. It's yes, <laughs> that shit. And it's like. And it's like, you don't understand. And then, you know, kid starts crying. He says, I do understand. I'm here for you. I understand. I'm here for you every day. I know you are. I'll break you proud. Oh, they, they won the, the education. Um, but that's that's the thing. It's 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 the, um, it's why you tend to see like the coach role tending up quite, kind of quite a lot, this sort of thing, mm-hmm. because it's easier for us to understand. Oh, they won the game. They passed the test. They did the thing. That's how I knew they grew. That's how they knew they, you know, they went off and had a great time rather than just like, fuck, I got through school. That's fine. That's good enough. I can't remember the teacher, um, the one in Booksmart, for example. She, she's like, yeah, no, oh, yeah, yes. yeah. It's what you've graduated now. You're, you're, you know, you're adult. Um, but the bad ones tend to also be, other than the, uh, the cruel, vindictive, the, the you know, the, 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 the Miss Trunchbulls from Matilda, Strickland from Back to the Future. Um, oh, God. Uh, Caligula. They don't, not his actual name, but they call him Caligula in, in Torment. Um, you know, some really vindictive pieces of shit mm. and then there's just negligent people just negligent teachers <laughs> you have um ice cube and charlie day in fist fight not a good mm. film but also terrible <laughs> teachers um and you've got uh, uh elizabeth halsey who's cameron diaz's character in bad teacher literally uh, bad yeah, teacher course, yeah. Yeah. yeah um mickey rosa who's played by kevin spacey in the film 21 where he goes from like, oh, I'm going to teach you kids, you're good at maths, now you're going to gamble for me. And if you don't, I'm going to do this. Like, holy shit, win me the money back. <laughs> my my favorite example of a really awful piece of shit, well, not my, my favorite example of a piece of shit, because we're going to come back to that later, um, but my absolute favorite example is from an old film called The Song of Bernadette. And uh, oh, it's such a, such a Catholic movie. Um, <laughs> the Song of Bernadette has Sister Marie Therese Vassoir, Vassou? I can't remember how I'm saying it and <clears throat> one of her students, Bernadette, has seen you know a vision of the Virgin Mary, and everyone's like, "Oh, God, that's so good, that's so amazing." We're so proud of this this kid, except this nun, this teacher. She's like, "Fuck that, fuck you." I have <laughs> lived a long and pious life, and the Virgin Mary has never shown herself to me. So you know what? You don't deserve that. I'm going to teach you to suffer so you do deserve it. It's like, holy shit, you psycho. That's the that's Tilda Swinton's role in Constantine. Are you mad? You're a nun. <laughs> um, yeah, but that, that's a great example of like, you know, this, this awful, the, the personal pettiness being brought in into that role, into this awful human being who is just jealous and bitter and angry. And that's another thing that teachers can be. It is jealous of youth. And that's the thing that mm. tends to be framed quite a lot. It's like, you know, you, you fucking punk kids don't understand. And it's always this very... Because that's how we see a lot of teachers. And the truth is, because it sounds like an obvious fucking thing, teachers are people. 
you have yeah. nice people yeah. and assholes and you have good days and bad days because of their personal lives i mean yeah so there's always gonna be weirdos i think a lot of it is if you get a protagonist who has a teacher you get the either they tend to kind of fall into a few different categories like they're either trying mm-hmm. to like live vicariously as you said like re-experience their youth and all that kind of I'm teaching you how to do it, kids, so you don't make the same mistakes I did yeah. when I was your age mm. and all that kind of stuff. Or you get antagonistic teachers. You mentioned like some some of the other ones there, Matt, mm-hmm. like these really horrible characters, like the professors in Harry Potter kind of, They're great as, as they change and all that kind of stuff, you get their different Defense of the Dark Arts teachers. You get the obvious example is Umbridge, who is kind of a teacher, but kind of a politician, but kind of a bunch mm. of other stuff. And yeah. But she very clearly is there teaching at the school because Hogwarts is some like hub of it's the fucking, entire wizarding world for some reason. Let's not get into and that. I, and I feel it's notable that there's people who think she's a worse villain than Voldemort. Yes. She is. Exactly. She can yeah. be. Yeah. Or, yeah, exactly. Because her. Because she's too relatable. Yeah, it's relatable yeah. and it's and personal. And electable, whereas... apparently, in this country. Well, yeah, yeah, exactly. You get that kind of. You see a teacher you didn't like at school and, and all that kind of stuff. Whereas how many people have met murderous, magical people who split their souls into seven different things? Yeah. Voldemort has a degree of separation from reality where people go like, oh God, I remember my history teacher. She was horrible as well. She had a pink hat as well. Oh <laughs> God. Like, you see that pink blazer or whatever. And it's like, oh God, I'm having PTSD. Yeah. And I think that's why teachers, because they're such a big part of our youth during our time when we're developing as people, emotionally physically learning you know in theory where your career is going to go even though the vast majority of people i know who have studied anything and not doing that thing anymore <laughs> I, I work in marketing i have an astrophysics degree yeah school hey. doesn't set you up the way it should <laughs> yeah it really doesn't the, the way schools we're not going to get into a big debate about the whole you know western society and how schools work and stuff but the reason it reflects so well cinematically is because it is so relatable you have that moment's of relating to things you loved when you were a kid or when you hated when you were a kid are often slightly twisted or slightly distorted or amplified is a really common thing because you are such a like a emotional state as you're turning into a teenager and all your hormones are going crazy and you're crying one day and angry the next and you yeah. don't know how to feel or express your you know affection for other people you don't want to talk to your parents you don't want to talk to your teachers and you get this thing where you know, you suddenly start realizing, oh, adults are adults. And, you know, as you said earlier, Matt, like teachers are people. Like, hmm. it's really weird for me to think now, you know, uh, when this episode comes out, I'll be 31 years old. In fact, I am older than some of my teachers were yeah, when they were that's teaching weird. me mm. in middle school and high school. I'm like, oh, that's so weird. That is such a weird thing for me. Like, in the grand scheme of things, some of my teachers are now like 40 and they were only 10 years older than me. Like, that is so. <laughs> weird they have just freshly qualified hey i'm your english teacher yeah. i'm 25 I'm like god i can't imagine being 25 and actually having the responsibility of like, <laughs> yeah the future, essentially the quote-unquote future of this country and all that kind of stuff which is the typical thing because there is to, to spin it back into real life there's so much pressure on teachers like to have this whole you know you are teaching our children and there's always another example thinking about like when you have protagonists you also have like the parental the pta meetings and stuff, yes, which is a really common yes. thing you mm. see in um american like tv shows and all that kind of stuff it's less of a thing here we have kind of parents meetings and stuff like that mm. but a whole big like pta thing is a thing that comes up a lot in these almost like 
town square meetings where you get all the parents come together and say, you're <laughs> not teaching our kids right, and all this kind of stuff. And that happens a bunch in American pop culture. I've seen that hundreds of times, whether it's in you know TV shows or movies or whatever it is. And you have that dynamic of, now you've got the parents involved as well, and there's a whole other thing because they're similar ages to the teachers, but they got the kids, bet in theory, the bet the best, you know, they want the best for their children, all that kind of stuff. And but the sarcastic divide then between like, what are you teaching my children? It's like that shit. They should be learning at home, motherfucker. You have to teach them as well. <laughs> I'm, I'm here to give you the education. I'm, I'm also I'm also teaching them what I'm allowed to teach them because yeah, there's a yeah. pretty strict curriculum a lot of the times. Like, oh, <laughs> you're in a really Christian part of the world or a really religious part of the world in general. Mm. Pfft, tough shit. You're teaching them like censored. Exactly. There's there's so many restrictions and stuff there and. As terrible as some teachers have been and will be and are be, and are just in general to to children, some teachers don't get you know the recognition they deserve and people, how much they shape people's lives and stuff. I think because they are such a big influence on us, positively, negatively, whatever, it's such an easy emotional access for a film to kind of get you in that moment of like, oh yeah, you know what, that inspirational teacher really is inspiring me. I. I'll go and do that thing now or the oh god I remember when I had a horrible teacher and it's it's that the, the everyone goes to school pretty much in in our kind of you know developed western world kind of thing if you're listening to this podcast you probably went to school like put it that way <laughs> you've, you've got internet <laughs> access and podcast access and stuff like that everyone has a teacher they liked a teacher they didn't like and it's such an easy obvious thing to connect to the emotion of the audience so it makes sense that it's such a common kind of trope throughout history and uh, yeah i think it's it's very telling that that even when a film is about a teacher and they are the protagonist it still kind of takes that pupil point of view on them because that's our understanding of how school works for example i can only think of one film where it's about a teacher and you deal with the fact that they teach you for a while, but then you move on and they carry on teaching at the school. Yeah. Um, because almost all of the films that focus on teaching, it's about like it's about this relationship between, you know, an inspiring teacher and a and a class, and it focuses on that school year or that, you know, maybe four years of, of school or whatever. Um but there's very little film there's very few films that deal with teaching as a profession where like yeah you will teach someone and then they will go off and then you have a new class to deal with and it starts all over again the only one i can think of is mr holland's opus where it's like 30 years of his career as a teacher mm. i can't really think of many other films where it's it's it, it kind of deals with it acknowledges that reality of yeah this teacher can mean the world to you while you're there and can have this huge impact on your life but then you move on and they carry on teaching. Um, kind of. And, and, and um, Okay, because you're right, and that's nothing that's focused <laughs> so much, but I'm going to bring up an example that's such a Matt example. Um, it's like, can I get an example? Yes. And it's like, Matt, no one's heard of that fucking From film. a Japanese film, <laughs> 1932. <laughs> Close. <laughs> India, 2000. Um, we'll get to that in a second. But I remember... Same thing, right? Small digression. Tim and I were sitting in the cinema together recently and a film came up in Britain. Uh, so, you know, ads go up before the film and, and they did this whole inspiring people to want to be teachers. And 
he's doing it. It's, it's like a montage of him. It's like, oh, that's so good, lad. I, I never would have thought it that way. That's great. 10B, you're doing a great today. To, oh, hey, hey, whoa, whoa, lad. Let's, let's have a talk. What's happening? It's all the cliches of, wow, this is what a teacher like. Someone taught you and was really inspiring to you. You can inspire some kids. And then it's like, you know, Tim and I were sort of talking quietly to each other saying, yeah, and all the kids getting out of the bus. You did, well, they don't realize he lives on one of those buses because he can't afford a fucking house. And Tim <laughs> says, no teacher leaves at the same time as the fucking students. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> he'll be there for two or three hours afterwards doing bullshit. And it's like, yeah, these, they have lives and you are, it's, it's like the whole, an elf falls in love with a human is like you falling in love with your dog. And it's like, that's not going to be, and even, even a smaller period of time. So like, yeah, you're, you're a blip on the radar. But there is an Indian film called... Um, I really wondered where you were going there with Elf Falls in Love with a Human. I, I <laughs> notes on a scandal. <laughs> um, actually, Notes on a Scandal is another good example, except being too focused on one student. Uh, if you don't know, that's, that's a Kate Blanchett film where mm. she has a sexual relationship with her pupil. Um, mm. and, 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 and at the same time, her uh, Judy Dench has a sexual attraction to Kate Blanchett. It's like, wait, what? Yeah, I did this because I love you. So, you fucking crazy? It's a, it's a, that's a <laughs> fucked up film. And a terrible teacher. So yeah, so there is an Indian film called Mohabbatian. And it is about, it's, it's such a weird fucking movie. It's like somebody saw, it's, uh, knowing how Indian cinema works, this could be exactly the case. It's kind of like somebody saw uh, Dead Poet Society and misunderstood it. And um, <laughs> saying like, wait, so you get this right. It's about a teacher who engages with the kids and the pupils. Uh, with poetry and they stand up and they you know they they change the system sort of but even then the teacher gets sort of screwed over it's like yes we could do something with that we could do something how about we have a music teacher rather than poetry okay yeah sure sure at this at this um all boys college yeah okay and it's run by this really strict principle and you know people are like banned and 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 expelled immediately for having like romantic affairs because and say, okay, that's that sort of okay, right? But this new music teacher, he's a handsome motherfucker, and he wants to teach them that love is prevailing over everything, and love is amazing, and you have to have music and love, and you should be shouldn't be banned in school. It's like, okay, that's it's more about the teachers. I get it. Okay, yeah. And on top of that, the the head teacher and the new music teacher have history because they. <laughs> The music teacher went out with the head teacher's daughter and she committed suicide. Like, right, okay, you've complicated this so much. Who's learning what now? It's like, they're learning music. It's like, good, right, that sounds fine. Sounds great. And that's, again, good teacher. Um, and it, it's, it's, it's actually... Mahabhatan... Fuck me. Mahabhatan is actually a really good movie. I recommend it very highly. Um... It's got some, it's, it's, it's a very young Ashwari Rai and Shah Rukh Khan and oh, by chance. And it's, it's, it's great. It's great. It's really good if you can see it. But it's another example of a different institutional side of viewing things. So in like, obviously China and Japan, the school system is very strongly exam, 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 success, success. India, same sort mm. of principle. Um, the only time you ever see a school in a film in any part of Africa tends to be um, something awful is happening in that school or a school is being opened because the kind, friendly Europeans came along and opened up a school. That tends to be it, unfortunately. It doesn't tend to show like a regular school environment. Um, and obviously, and on top of that, most importantly, we are all heavily, heavily influenced by the American school system through movies. We learn so many words we shouldn't know or care about. And that's yeah. that's not me like bitching and whining too much. It's just me saying that if you watch something like the History Boys, 
in it, which is a good, this is a good film. I think it's pretty solid. Mm. Um, and that's a good example of some good teachers and, and good teacher student engagement, that kind of stuff by way of physical abuse. And, you know, I'm joking with the kids. Well, hey, he's one of the lads. It's all right. That kind of mad bullshit. Mm. But then you get the other side of it, which is the American. Again, I, I, I can't stress enough in Britain, high school education stops at 16 then you do sixth form for two years to take you 18 and then you go on to university or college or whatever it happens to be whereas america you're in high school until 18 even you know the same stuff we we're up until when we were 16 which i didn't understand at the time i was like why are they in school longer than us it's like when i went to america like oh because you're learning slower that's not good <laughs> um and then you have college which is university which again was very confusing for me like why do you call it college our, our college is the bit between high school and university mm. we have a thing called sixth form which is also colloquially known <laughs> as college college yeah which is your post high school so 16 17 going on to when you turn 18 for yeah. university mm. and, and it's optional kind of and is yeah kind of optional well people it's go becoming, vacations it's becoming less now. optional yeah. now but yeah becoming this weird thing where like you can do more physical stuff you can go off and do certain qualifications that are way more like profession yes. driven and stuff apprenticeships apprenticeships like yes. exactly yes, yeah all that precisely. kind of stuff which is again not something you see really in movies but it's something that is becoming more and more common yeah and people going off to university and stuff is obviously a big thing like we talked about monsters university previously on the we show did, we did. there's <laughs> a there's a lot of university like kind of there's a lot of, i feel there's a lot of high school movies and there's a lot of university movies yes there's not really anything exploring that in betweeny kind of transitiony kind of stage where you, you granted, get like, like you said america has a different way of yeah. doing it and mm. we don't really have mm. the similar approach here but mm. like the, i feel like that kind of 16 to 18 gap is just kind of ignored a lot of the time like you're in high school now you're an adult good luck with the world you're like whoa okay <laughs> i think the tri the tricky thing there is that it's um it's explored in stuff like uh, the TV show Skins mm. uh, was set in that period. Fuck, yeah. And it's, a, like you say, it's an incredibly like transitional point. It's where you're kind of acting like an adult, even though you're still an idiot teenager. Um, <clears throat> and it's that thing of, you know, a lot of... <laughs> you're not going to really get space for the... Especially in, in British culture, I think. Mm -hmm. Like... If you're going to have an inspirational teacher movie, it's probably going to be set in the actual, you know, secondary school, high school type yes. period. Those two years of sixth form, because people are starting to go out and get drunk and stuff, it's like the pupils are less receptive during that period, mm, um, which is weird because essentially they're, 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 to a certain degree, they've chosen to be there for that. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I mean, I, I wasn't a huge partier at that period because i looked like a 12 year old still <laughs> um and so i was very like academically focused during a levels and stuff i, I can imagine um, you getting asked for id a lot even now tim you are, you are very youth, <laughs> youthful of face <laughs> yes um less so now now i've got the gray starting to come in but you know um <laughs> it's a gray child it's, uh, <laughs> yes oh, this victorian ghost child wants to buy this uh, <laughs> <of red> wine. <laughs> Yeah, so I think it's 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 like you say, it's a period that's not really explored that much because a because it's uniquely British, and so there's less. I know I know Americans in the past who I've like 
who have tried to understand our schooling system or I've tried to, you know, I've been talking to them and being like, oh yeah, it's slightly different here. And they're, and the the fact that our schools are different to theirs kind of blows their mind and they can't wrap their head around the, the fact that we have a different system. I, I can understand why there's not really that many uh, history boys does deal with that period that thing if i'm memory serves but it's also yes because they're doing a levels and applying fashioned yes, yes yeah in sheffield and they're yeah. applying to a levels to get into i can't remember it's cambridge or oxford but it's one of the big you know prestigious yeah, universities like well you know you're common boys you can't go here that kind yes. of thing i would say though that it's the nature of of contemporary not colonialism but very much imperialism the presence of art influences how we see the world and the presence that's been put out there the most is American stuff. And this isn't me again complaining, it's me explaining my perspective as this small islander. I mean, for example, one thing I would like to see more of is school exchange movies. I'd love to see more movies where people go to different countries and learn shit rather than the class. Mm. Rather than what usually happens is, oh, we've got this French exchange student here. She doesn't speak any word. And it's like, oh, what? You know, or, or alternatively, she's highly sexual. She's from so-and-so place. But <laughs> yep. it's the fact that... Looking at you, American pie. There we go. Um, it's the fact that I can't not see... Or assumed growing up that I would be terrified of high school for, turns out different reasons, and ter terrified of higher education because I thought, shit, shit, it's all house parties and they have fraternities. That must be the exact <laughs> same thing here. Fuck, I don't want that. I don't want that. Look, hazing stuff, that looks awful. That looks, I don't want that shit at all. That looks traumatizing. And because you don't see the learning side of things, you don't understand that it's actually more about you growing as an adult and having independence. As Tim mentioned, uh, the idea of sixth form, the in, or was it Jack? Somebody mentioned it. The idea that in high school, you're regimented to, you're here five days a week from eight or whatever it is till three in the morning. You have all the time, bang, bang, bang. Um, and you've got your very strict set out thing for your exams. Sixth form, right, what do you want to do? I don't fucking know. Well, here's some options. Okay, fine. You have two lessons today. T two? Yeah. <laughs> what, what are they? One's at yeah. ten, one's at two. And what am I supposed to do in between that time? Don't have give a, a shit. Have a big lunch. Do whatever yeah. you like. So what I tend to do is like, yeah. did I turn up the ten one and then fuck you for the two? <laughs> <laughs> I went from having the best uh, attendance record in my first year of sixth form to the worst attendance record in wow. sixth form second year because I realized I didn't give a fuck. Um, still past my economic stuff. But the point is that um, it's a transition to get you to university. It's the springboard into what... It's trying to streamline you into what career, what path of education you're going to get into and what university will accept you. And money is also a factor in that. Blah, 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 blah. Um, and cinematically, how these things are presented is quite stifling in terms of what we see. It's very streamlined. It's very much the same formula. And as I say, with like, like musical biopics, for example, even really good ones tend to be quite um, formulaic. And teacher films with and or about teachers, good God, they can be fucking formulaic. Yeah, we, we haven't really touched on university that much because it's we've, we've kind of focused more on, you know... Um, primary and secondary education yeah, to a degree i think yeah refer to it um but it's interesting how like it's if you're if you're doing a film about british university it's almost always cambridge or oxford that they're going oh, to yeah. that's the kind of aesthetic that the film fits into um i 
occasionally you'll get something that's a bit more like um uh the tv show fresh meat which i felt like was actually a fairly realistic mm. uh, portrayal of what most universities are like now where it's just big industrial brutalist buildings that were put up in the 50s and 60s um and likewise with american universities so much of it is so much of the kind of aesthetic of university films is influenced either by the the ivy league your you know your harvard and princeton and places like that mm. or it's this very generic fraternity focused university like the i went to university in america for a year wasn't at all like that the the campus i was on a it didn't really have a lot of on campus housing uh, which is kind of unique for america but uh, you know it it meant that the atmosphere was very very different on campus um also didn't i don't think had any fraternities if they did i certainly didn't see any activity from them <laughs> beyond like i think maybe a little bit during the first few weeks and that was just them with tables set up trying to recruit people never saw any hazing never saw any of that like nonsense of course they do it all um, behind closed doors tim that's why <laughs> <laughs> um and yet i had friends who went to different universities in america who had were very much in that like classic mold of american thing but but it's interesting that cinema has a very focused idea of what higher education looks like. Yeah. I mean, here's a great example for you. So much of the social network is set in a school. And this is where the university thing in America comes to me. You don't tend to talk about the professors much. You talk about the dean. You, say, you have a scene with the dean. You don't have a scene with <laughs> the professors or the tutors. Dean. Yeah. yeah. Animal house yeah. kind of shit. It's, yeah. And it's, it's fascinating because unless you're going with another one, it's always interesting to me is Michael Bay. Oh God! Bay's Bay's teachers are always really. Oh really. no! Hey, wasn't one like Rain Wilson where he bites an apple yes. and throws it to a student? We Weirdly sexual Rain Wilson yeah. in Transformers <laughs> Two. And then I think in Transformers Five, the last night, it's um, whoever the fuck, Kate Yeager. He's a scientist. I'm an inventor. Whatever, whatever. And hey, he's you, he you look at Mark Wahlberg. You think scientist and inventor? Yeah, yeah sure. <laughs> um, but we he, he gets paired up with this English professor i think at oxford university and she can't park a car properly and um she wears heels and gets cost and then she takes some kids around a fucking exhibit and talks from a, about a painting about king arthur I'm like the fuck are you teaching what is this englishness <laughs> britishness that's what i'm teaching <laughs> to, to 20 year olds yeah as and, little, and of course you need to arthur. understand you used to be a colony of ours <laughs> <laughs> what else is, is it is in english like in king arthur as we know pulled the sword from the stone it's like yeah they they knew this when they were fucking five. Yeah. I know it's to the educate the audience. So it's a very strange presentation, but I would like to segue, if I if I may, to fictional teachers. And by that, mm. I don't mean... I mean teachers who are put in very fictional scenarios. So, for example, just batting off a few very quickly, good and bad. Uh, Lapiz Nyong'o plays Miss Caroline in Little Monsters, where she's got a class mm. of like tiny, tiny kids. Uh, kindergarten sort of age or very 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 young and there's a zombie apocalypse and she's trying to just keep him alive for the whole thing and it's kind of it's kind of a weird funny movie in that regard and then you got helena justino played by Gemma Arton. i want to say in the girl with all the gifts it's a classroom yeah it's in a bunker and all the kids are strapped into the chairs because they're kind of gnashing zombie like things and she's trying to educate them and they have to wear like, special gel on their skin so they don't smell of human flesh so they can educate them and talk to them normally and it's really fascinating again good teachers weird environment mm. <laughs> then you've got on the other side of it you've got the faculty and bad teachers 
Mm-hmm. Some good teachers and bad teachers there. The school is, that's a great example. I, I mean, don't know if Tim and I really fucking enjoy the faculty. So one of those like most un-Rodriguez Rodriguez film and he, the whole story is about this alien invasion, basically it's a low key and all the teachers are tired, overworked. And I think it's Salma Hayek's line, which is like, you're sick, go home. I can't afford to be sick. I've saved my sick days for I want to go do stuff. I come here when I'm sick. <laughs> it shows like a real teachers that and like john stewart is one of the teachers and he starts off by like engaged with the kids like yeah no this is cool man this is great and i i very nearly picked him for my oh school. nice until of course he's taken over by the alien worms and he's like okay, okay. it's gone yeah. who knows but coach willis played by robert patrick he's a twat from the start and he's a twat by the <laughs> end um but it, that's a really interesting one of showing what it uh, or even like tim's mentioning about an actual school environment where these kids are just kids and you kind of don't give a shit but you're trying to get through the day as best as you can so when you see the transition to these very calm you look very pretty today why thank you it's like the fuck is going on here and it becomes more like why are you acting so goddamn weird and why are you so thirsty in more ways than one so you get these different environments that these things sort of pop up in and another classic one which i'm going to ask you now guys which is the better teacher ricky takeuchi from battle royale 2 wanting to play rugby (laughs) or kitano sensei from battle royale 1 throwing (laughs) knives in people's heads but also painting things i'd like to learn knife throwing and painting please (laughs) man i'll take knife throwing and painting for 400 please that's how that works i feel like kitano sensei better prepares you for what you're to you're gonna face <laughs> even though it's horrible as we said school doesn't often do a very good job of preparing you for the outside <laughs> world in battle royale maybe it does a little bit better Prepares you for an outside world not maybe yeah. the regular one exactly. um, <laughs> yeah and then, and as i say there's there's so many examples of you know random teachers i mean again everyone like oh what about coach car what about john keating as say in, in dead poet society uh, there's there's a lot of really interesting ones to talk about. And, and old ones like um, Sidney Poitier and Toussaint with Love. Great example. And this is something we're going to come back to later. The archetypes. The archetype type show was mentioned. So uh, Toussaint with Love is about this teacher who comes in, and obviously Sidney Poitier is a black man, into an East End London school in the 60s. And it's like, you know, he has to ship these fucking ruffians into shape and like get through to them and respect them so by the end of it they you know they give him like gifts and he feels like he's he's done something he's made an impact you know like my god it was worth it that kind of shit and then you got miss snorbury in mean girls who's just tina Fey saying you know you know teachers are people too we go shopping yeah and then there's the the teacher the kids saying, and also she's got two other jobs yes exactly yeah yeah and, and the kids saying like it's like watching a cat on its hind legs or whatever it is yeah t- teachers are like any profession woefully misrepresented by by cinema i think that's the key takeaway from this you can have mentor and if we had john damn you for picking this if you'd have done mentors we could have done well i mean all the jedis are learning from like one pad of one to another so I mean, we can pick fucking qui-gon jin a terrible fucking teacher but we could do it you know that kind of thing but because it's in this specific environment also it cuts out a lot of time periods because if you're saying how did how were things taught x hundred years ago it's like well it was passed down or homeschooled and it's like then you come to another thing homeschooling do your parents count if the teaching environment is your house and you're learning from them they're they're a teacher it's like ah and in the same way we unfortunately do this now and this is a very strange uh, example child care vouchers in this country you can get to vouchers for child care so that someone can look after your child and you take a bit of money off it's a tax allowance sort of thing and you pay a certain amount in you get a certain amount of tax break from it and you give that to a nursery or a ch- officially regulated childminder. Now, obviously, that's for fraudulent purposes. So that's where you try to sort of regulate it. But if you drop kids off at your nan, can you give her the money? No, because she's not a registered childminder. It's like, but she's doing all the job. 
shouldn't she get the money for it if that's the whole thing? It's like, no, why not? Arbitrary rules, motherfucker. And you're like, right. So again, classroom, kids, or pupil singular, learning. That's why you end up on the, on the good list of teachers. You can have people like Elliot Moore in The Happening, which is Mark Wahlberg in The Fucking Happening. M. Night Shyamalan film about fucking trees. And he's actually not a bad student at all. And then you can have on the other side of things, Greece. Every teacher in that fucking useless. <laughs> <laughs> they are. They're just awful. Today's episode is brought to you by DB. DB is a Scandinavian brand that makes backpacks and bags to help people on the move stay ready for anything. From the streets to the peaks, DB's gear is travel tested by some of the world's best athletes, adventurers, and creators. Over the past, DB has designed and developed, released, and refined the best bags in the market. With DB's patented hookup system, you're able to attach smaller products to your backpack, roller, or tote. And, well, it is September, and that's the time people start going back to school. And if you need a new school bag for your university, or if you're a teacher yourself and you need to take all your notes and textbooks and stuff with you to ensure you've got the right items to teach the future of the world, the future of your the many evening. colors of pens. Exactly. If you need to take a lot of stuff to work, or if you're going traveling soon, or whatever it is, you might need a new bag. And DB is a fantastic solution. Like you said, you can attach extra bits, extra bits and pieces to your backpack, to your roller, to your tote whatever you need to carry extra stuff around with you. And we're teaming up with DB to exclusively offer our listeners 10% off your next purchase by using the code POD10, that's P-O-D and the number 10, or going to the link in our show notes. DB, it's time to move on. Time to get going. So as it often is the case with these inter-season episodes, even when they're picked by our executive producers, like this week has been, I'm going to talk about some specific examples. because. We've been told to by Jonathan Firth-Clark. That's <laughs> about, as, about as simple as it gets. That's the so remit. Exactly. Sometimes we have one pick, sometimes we have three picks, sometimes we talk about the topic as a whole. We're actually going to have three picks each for this episode. And there's some good, some bad, some terrifying, some interesting. So, uh, yeah, I think we've hinted at a couple along the way. But, Tim, why don't we kick off with you with one of your picks for a cinematic teacher of note. I am going to go with my most conventional teacher to start with and get increasingly unconventional as time goes on. <laughs> mm. uh, so my first pick is Karen Pomeroy, who, if the name does not ring a bell, it is Drew Barrymore's character from Donnie Darko. Oh, yeah. Very much kind of in the mould of the teachers of, as backdrop. Um, Donnie Darko is a film... <coughs> that features quite a few scenes at the school, but the, his relationship with the school is not really the point of that film. There are the a lot of, of that points film to is, that film. <laughs> yeah, the point of that film is gestures to conspiracy board uh, to b behind me. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, th I thought of, char uh, of, uh, of this character because I was trying to think of just who's, who's just kind of a, an averagely a decently good teacher who seems like they give a damn um, mm. without being held up as saint-like by the film. Mrs. Pomeroy, Miss, Miss Pomeroy, Ms. Pomeroy probably, uh, leapt out to me as, uh, as, as a good choice because she's 
she's someone who clearly like cares about the lessons that she's giving and the children that she's looking after. The lesson that she gives on the the destructors, the the Graham Greene uh, short story, the uh, like you can tell she's trying to get these children to engage with the material um, and trying to inspire them. But also she does the thing like when uh, when Gina Malone's character first uh, appears uh, as a new transfer student, the slightly yeah, creepy f- kind of fuck with her. You get the sense it's for her own entertainment yeah, of yeah. making her sit next to uh, the boy that uh, she thinks is the cutest. Um, it's such a fucking and that bullshit power move. And you're like, don't, it don't is, do that. Yeah. It's, it struck me as very like kind of realistic in, in the way that teachers can occasionally be a little bit like using their power in ways that aren't entirely appropriate, but in a fairly, in a fairly harmless way even though it's kind of shitty. You can tell it's just her trying to get through the day and keeping herself entertained at the same time as she deals <laughs> with these students. Yeah. Uh, I really like this. It's it's a tiny little scene, but her and, uh, what is it, Noah Wiles character, yes. um, who's another teacher at the school, uh, they have that tiny scene where it's just them in the staff room and they're both like marking te- papers or whatever. Um, and one of them looks, I can't remember who it, who it is who says it first but looks to the other and is like donnie darko and it's like yeah donnie darko <laughs> yeah. and this just kind of like appreciation of like yeah we both teach this kid and he's kind of weird what what an odd kid okay on with the next thing yeah and i feel like it's a very good representation of a of a teacher who is doing their best to be a good teacher while also accepting the reality of like yeah this is just a person at the end of the day and they sometimes they're going to be kind of shitty sometimes they're going to be really inspiring at the end of the day they get fucked over by the system because she gets fired um and you have yeah. that great scene where it's just her outside screaming fuck key, key callback to earlier as well she's 25 years old at this point talk about that thing that jack brought earlier about the whole like teaching mm. p you know 10 years old and it's like we see I, when i watched that film myself when i was like 16 years old or whatever it was 17 years old i was like oh yeah mm. drew barry oh this is like you know et and stuff she's an adult and she was in scream yes like, no she's 25 and again as tim pointed out the character is just kind of herself still not a kid but you know a young person so hence like kind of messing around a bit but also frustrated by the system yeah crazy yeah yeah i i, I don't think i uh, tweaked that, that that was how old or how young she was at that point but yeah no she it completely makes sense that she as a as a teacher still in their mid 20s would be kind of like yeah i'm going to kind of fuck around with these pupils because i because i do like them and because i equally because i'm bored you know <laughs> i'm here i'm here teaching you know these these kids who don't give a fuck mm. and you know i'm trying to impart some of my passion on them so she's a, doesn't have a major role in the film you know it's very much it's about the title character but she was a character who who stuck with me as just a a surprisingly realistic look at what being a young teacher must be like um in a film that is about the philosophy of time travel and predestination <laughs> yeah. and all that kind of stuff so yeah she was she was a character that i wanted to i wanted to highlight and i feel like if we if we're constructing our our sort of uh, faculty here for for some school or some I don't know maybe they they've the three of them have got to do a a, 
class trip together or something. A Zoom call. God, I hope not with my selection. <laughs> uh, she is someone who I think has a very good balance of getting getting kids engaged and educated, while also having a little bit of a little bit of re- rebellion uh, in there. Um, and um, yeah, that that's that's essentially uh, why I picked her. I mean, she's a good shout, and I think. I, 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 something I only realised as we were talking about, well, as you as you picked it, Tim, I was like, two thousand one. How Drew Barrymore's like barely fifty now. How old was she been there? It's like the <laughs> shit twenty five. And again, it's the fact that as you say, we don't see teachers when you're a kid. You see them as old fucking. You don't know anything, old man. It's like I was in your seat maybe ten years ago, dickhead. <laughs> and then ten years time, I'll probably be teaching. You know, in twenty years time, I'll be teaching your fucking kids. So you know, yeah. it's 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 a very strange reality because we always think things exist within the bubble within school. These like four or five really formative years or whatever the fuck it is. Outside of that, everyone is like you know a little kid who doesn't know any better or an old fucking deadbeat who gives a shit. And and uh, Barrymore's character is well portrayed and as you say, such a small part of that movie, but very very memorable because of her, her role. I very I immediately thought of her. Writing in chalk, cellar door on the phone. So yes, the the two most beautiful letters in the or words in the English language. I mean, she's relaying, relaying to a class that she's been fired. It's just, it's it's great, great choice. Yeah, great choice. and yeah, and a film that also has a terrible teacher in it in the form of Kitty Farmer, the um oh. the the Christian fundamentalist oh, who yeah. gets uh, yeah. Patrick Swayze to come into the school. But you know, we can't all have that level of commitment yeah. to sparkle motion. If Karen Palmorian was my teacher, I probably would have been much more engaged in school. And that sounds like I'm being like an overtly sexual, oh, if I had an attractive Drew Barrymore <laughs> in my school. No, she just seemed much more engaged with the pupils and just earnestly mm. like, give a shit, but not too much because you can't get too invested in these things. So, yeah. 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 I think that's the thing. I think she actually reminds me a little bit of decent teachers that I have had in the past. Not necessarily who've been that young or, you know, whatever, but who just have that level of Look, we're all here to get through the day. I'm going to try and make it as interesting for you as possibly, but also if you fuck around, I'm going to fuck back with you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Jack, let's go to you for your first pick. I'm going to try and do a similar thing to you, Tim, and maybe save my most out there and controversial pick for last. <laughs> <laughs> I'll start with the most probably family friendly of my options as well. I'll go for a film that was released in the year of my birth. We'll talk about the wonderful detective, and that's right, detective, but we'll get to that. (laughs) John Kimball from Kindergarten Cop, of course, if you don't really know, played by Mr. Arnold Schwarzenegger. I think this might be one of the most quotable Arnie films from... I mean, they all are in this period, like from the from the like mid 80s through to the early 90s. Pretty much everything is quoted. Yeah, sure, sure. Mm -hmm. But everything from I'm a cop, you idiot, to it's not a tumor (laughs) and shut up and all everything, basically. (laughs) Who is your daddy and what does he do? Exactly, exactly. There's a brilliant there was an Arnold Schwarzenegger like soundboard, like probably like a decade ago. (laughs) This like revolutionary thing on the internet it's like you know, every key you press on your keyboard will be a different quote from Arnold Schwarzenegger <laughs> yeah. uh, as I was going through I was like well that's from Kindergarten Cop that's from Kindergarten Cop <laughs> that's from Kindergarten Cop and people were doing like prank calls with it and stuff so like 
I'm Detective John Kimball. I'm a cop, you idiot. And even even his like good morning that he has to the students and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> that exact tone that he wait the intonation that he has when he delivers that line is just ingrained in my brain. So much of this film is just ingrained in my brain. But the fact that I'm going to spoil a 30 year old movie for you here, listeners. The fact that he retires and becomes a cop from being a cop and becomes a full time teacher at the end is so sweet and lovely and the fact that all of his kind of like kind of terrible habits of cops like using whistles to teach kids stuff is questionable but <laughs> it's late 80s early 90s uh, Reagan yeah. militaristic bullshit being brought into schools <laughs> it is yeah. it is but the fact that it all kind of like he really bonds with the kids and mm. that the moment that re- always really stands out to me is when he finds out that kid has been hit by his dad and he's got like the bruise on the back of his neck and stuff and he goes up and beats the shit out of the dad outside the school. I was like, he really, really cares for these kids. And granted, that's kind of him being more of a cop. But that I feel like that is one of the really early moments that is the transitional period of him realizing maybe there's something in this. I could become a teacher. I actually care about these kids. And the fact that he cares so much really kind of is the impetus for his entire character journey throughout the thing of the entire movie, basically. And to to kind of cap off that moment he has the meeting with the principal and we kind of touched on this earlier you get the deans at university you get the <laughs> the head teachers yeah. here in the uk the principals in the us they're the people that the teachers have to answer to the principal in this is amazing she's <laughs> she starts off absolutely terrifying and like shouting at the kids and make sure they're all going down the hallways and stuff she comes in and she tells tells kimball off and is like mm, no, you you can't be doing that you can't go and punch this guy's punch this kid's dad that's not that's not what you can do instead she goes did it feel good when you hit him and he's like well yeah of course <laughs> he's like brilliant that's what i like to hear <laughs> Some, somebody somebody needed to do it that moment is so stuck in my mind because i can remember i've only seen kindergarten cop once in memory and it was when i was quite young you know obviously this film came out in what 1990 and you know but i can remember seeing it on tv and there was a really awkward tv edit uh because i believe in the film she says how did it feel to hit that son of a bitch and it it was a really awkward edit to make it be how did it feel to make it uh, how did it feel to punch that sob yeah i can remember seeing that as still being quite young but just being like what happened there that clearly wasn't what she said um and, and <laughs> <laughs> that you moment learned of the uh, magic of adr and tv yeah yeah nice. exactly yeah yeah that moment really sticks out for me as well for the character is i don't think i remember that being you know adr or something when i was a kid because mm. i didn't even know that was a thing but yeah that moment where she's like glad you punched that guy like yeah you know when you used your whistle and when you shouted at them <laughs> when you did this thing it all kind of worked you're a good teacher. <laughs> he has that moment like, shit, yeah, I could be a good teacher. And mm-hmm. and but like I said, by today's standards, mm, a bit more, a bit more, maybe not, maybe not. But yeah, the the journey that the character goes on and the the fact that he kind of really settles into this role so beautifully, and even the introduction of Kimball is fantastic because I don't know if you folks know Arnold Schwarzenegger is fucking massive. He's yeah. he's he's six foot two and as wide as he is tall. When he walks in, all the kids are sat down on the floor and the camera angle is perfect. You literally <laughs> yeah. see his ankles 
and then it pans all the way up as slowly as possible to see this towering Austrian oak, as he was known back in the day, like just towering over all these kids. And you really get the idea of like, oh, he's really out of his element here, but the kids are terrified of him. And then they quickly grow to like him as well. And it's this brilliant kind of like journey for the kids, journey for Kimball, like even while he's all like, you know, off actually solving crimes and undercover trying to actually <laughs> catch criminals and stuff, getting shot, shooting criminals, doing the usual Arnie stuff you'd expect in the, like, the other half of the film, essentially. I think the core of that movie is so ingrained in Kimball's journey as a teacher and him bonding with those kids. It's, it's so endearing and it's still maybe not my favourite Arnie movie, but one of the ones that really sticks out in my brain for, you know, me growing up and stuff. Because obviously I was, I was too young to watch like Predator and stuff when I was, when I was <laughs> young. Family friendly Arnie. Exactly, exactly. It's so weird because it's such a, like, like you say, it's kind of an iconic Schwarzenegger role. It's him when he was transitioning to doing more family friendly stuff. The fact that Bill Murray and Danny DeVito were also considered for the God role damn. is so, like, that's such a different film. How would they do the panning up shot for Danny DeVito? Well, apparently he, he was considered, <laughs> but I, Ivan Reitman nixed the idea due to him being short. Yeah, no um, shit. Oh, we, we start at his ankles apparent. and then two seconds later we're at his head. Like, brilliant. Arnold Schwarzenegger yeah. is... Tw they, there's literally a film about how different in size those two <laughs> men are. Yeah. Uh, Patrick cool. Swayze apparently was also considered, which I can that kind of see working. Be too charming. Bill Murray, Bill Murray is... That is such a completely different film. Has such different energy from Murray to Schwarzenegger. Yeah, there's an old Patton Oswalt yeah. interview when he's doing... In uh, he's, he's talking about how when he's doing... Um, uh, the press junket for Ratatouille and he realised all of his sort of humour and just how he is as a person doesn't work with young kids and he's like he, he, all, all that sardonic sarcasm just me means nothing what was it like being mm. Remy the Rat and it's, you just have to get an earnest happy honest answers and he's like I, I can't I don't know how to deal with this <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I feel that would be Bill Murray out of his element you know he'd be like you know loud and tall like he is in like you know Space Jam, and like, yeah, I, I can't watch that for a fucking hour and a half. <laughs> Have you guys seen, uh, I mean, it's on the list. Have you guys seen Kindergarten Cop 2 with Dolph Lundgren? I've not, no, because I, I, I'm not a masochist. I won't say anything for when we get to the end of the episode. I eventually. learned of it approximately 30 seconds ago. Oh, wow. Yeah, no, it's on, it's on the list. It's on the list. Because, <laughs> yeah, it's... I, I have a question for you both. Do you think that Arnold Schwarzenegger's character in this is somehow related to... Harrison Ford's character in the future. The Kimballs. 100%. The Kimball. Yeah, yes. yeah, definitely. There's no seemingly outward familial reference. Like, oh, there's resemblance isn't really there, but I feel like they're distant cousins who don't know about each other rather than, <laughs> I'm an accused of murder, but it was actually a one-armed man. Why don't you speak to your cousin who's a cop? Good idea. Problem solved. <laughs> yeah. Arnie goes, beats yep. up bad guy. Go get your giant Austrian <laughs> yep. cop cousin. Yeah. <laughs> the train crash in the fugitive actually is because Arnie just pushed the train over. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, with Kindergarten Cop out of the way, Matt, over to you and your first pick. I'm going to go chronologically. That's the order I'm going to go in. Of course you will. You always do. Uh, not always. You, you often do. You Sometimes often I do, do, yeah. I'm going chronologically in terms of when the films are set and also when the films were filmed. Partly coincidence. My first choice, a Bernardo Bertolucci film called The Last Emperor from 1987, which I really like. It's... One of those ones which has a weird reputation, but that's because it's about China. And that's always a controversial move when you're making a movie. So the film question is about Puyi, 
who is the last, eponymously speaking, the last emperor of China. He was a, I think, I think he was six-year-old boy when he took over in inverted commas China, and eventually he was, you know, kept in custody under the Red Army and that sort of stuff, and he was put in back as a, as a sort of a faux head at one point. But yeah, he's he's a very Puyi is a very interesting and odd figure in history because. He's a boy king, basically. He was a little little child, and because of how the system worked and the idea of this in the Forbidden City in 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 China, the idea that this toddler is a supreme emperor, he cannot be questioned, he cannot be scolded, he cannot be anything because he is descended from heaven, effectively. And it's like cool, and we usually have something in place here to because the previous emperor would have taught them to be a child, and it's fine, you find fine. But now he's the emperor, we can't do anything about it, we're in trouble. And all the eunuchs and the courtiers and all the various people involved in raising him are struggling. So effectively, just after World War I, he is assigned, he's like a lot of early teenage years at this point, he is assigned a uh, so for a Western-style education. So you've got Western-style tutor. And this is where it becomes all like, oh, Matt, does this count? It's like, yes, because the classroom is for one child and they do have a little classroom. <laughs> um, but it's a very interesting situation because it's only a small part of this movie because there's so much, obviously, history. So many decades are covered. Uh, but at one point, the, the person brought in is Reginald Johnston, who is played by Peter O'Toole, doing a sort of Scottish thing. <laughs> um, it's all but I should point out this is all true story and Reginald Johnston was a real Scot uh, who was brought in to educate the, the boy emperor basically and the first scene between Puyi and Johnston has always made me think fuck I wish I had someone like that in my life teaching me um, and there, there are three bits that make me go okay okay yes so the first thing is he, he comes up and um, he's like, oh, I, you know, this man's been assigned to you. And the kid is so eager to see someone like, oh, yeah, I'm going to learn from you. I'm going to learn about the world. Fuck yes. And he walks off his throne, shakes his hand so enthusiastically. And Johnson's just laughing away. And it's all fine. And they sit down and he says, it is a, a customary to be examined. So we know where your stage of education is at. And Pui says, yeah, the emperor doesn't get examined. He says, well, that will have to change. And then he says, well, OK, maybe you'd be good to ask some questions about me. And he says, okay, where are your people from? Scotland. It's okay. But you're not wearing a skirt. I hear you people wear short skirts. It's called a kilt, but a matter of words, but a very important one. And he takes these little sort of anecdotal lessons and things like that. And then they finally talk about reading and books and how he wants a car. I said, well, you don't need to go anywhere. And that's where the quote from the start of this episode came from, by the way. The tutor is, you know, he's, he's the only one who talks to him like a normal person because he's trying to educate him. He has to keep the position of authority, even though the you know the courtiers and the guards are like you you can't talk to him like that he's not just a boy it's like but he is a boy and he needs to be prepared for the world it's like he's not he's descended from heaven you need to be more just let him do what he wants to do it's like i'm not going to do that anyway so basically johnston teaches him and at one point <laughs> as he's sitting there reading a book a mouse crawls out of his pocket he says uh, i believe your mouse is trying to escape and he <laughs> just rams back in his pocket and looks at him so earnest says please don't tell anyone about my mouse <laughs> and, he says, and he just shakes his head slowly like, no, I won't. And it's like, yes! So immediately he has confidence in him. He's going to be a protector. There is a trust between the two of them. They will learn about the world. And then at one point when his mother dies, because of the ceremonial history of the nature of what he can't do, he can't go visit his mother. He can't see her. And he can't leave the city ever. He has to stay in this one temple, basically, this one, this one castle. 
and he by doing that he climbs on the roof and the the guards don't know what to do because they can't address him they can't go get him and the only one who was doing it is Johnston who the person who didn't you know was um supposed to be watching Puyi is being whipped and Johnston stops that immediately says no 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 we need to be educating these people and he gets to the 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 wall and see what's happening he's like stay where you are you fool you, that, no and he's screaming all they're like oh god you you cannot shout this and he's like the boy is grieving for his dead mum and you have to be able to let him express himself and so on and so forth now this is partly a controversial pick because i've just said this is a great re uh, relationship between uh, a mentor or a tutor a, a, a teacher and a student somebody who needs an authoritative figure in his life who isn't going to be controlling but informative a confidant and all that sort of stuff and i think that's great someone not an equal per se but definitely someone he can confide in and learn from etc that is vital in my opinion for a teacher for my little squad and also to read the room read the student read the pupil however even though this is based on history my first recommendation is to say yeah a white man teaching the chinese that's the perfect <laughs> thing to do it's like Fuck. Now, obviously, that's not because I'm not talking about more the, just the relationship than anything else. It's not talking about how there's a superiority between them. And again, because the character is a Scot, it's, there's a very big key difference between the sort of English imperialist sort of mindset. There's an idea about things and there's, a, and there's a sort of mutual respect and such. And I think that sort of supersedes a lot of the, 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 what could be a very, very negative portrayal. And again, it's, it's based on some history and they did have a, a, allegedly a very reasonable relationship. Well, it's a, it's a very real thing as well. The I especially like like less less so now, but still kind of exists of especially like rulers and 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 people like that who would be of kind of areas, especially areas where England had had some kind of colonial presence, <clears throat> where you would send the ruling classes off to get a Western education, and that was deemed as this very important thing because usually because of imperialism and stuff like that but i think it's you know it reflects the reality of the situation is that 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 was a thing that was prized and that was seen as worth even even though he was such this important figure to china that it was worth him getting this western education so to speak to make him a more kind of rounded ruler uh, yeah. in a way so. Yeah, to, to prepare him for what was coming, basically, well, it, it didn't. That's the, that's the key point. He learned things as a person, but his country was changing far too quickly. And he didn't. He was kind of a figurehead. He didn't really understand what was coming because he was a kid. Yeah. And Mao Zedong and the Red Army and everything was coming and all the history of China. Yeah, it's, I think it's a great little relationship. And I think as a mm. teacher, in my little faculty, in my little teacher's lounge, he, he's a good addition also. He's, he's going to be the senior teacher who's been at the school since the things fucking started as an institution. And he's going to be the one that people are sort of initially afraid of, but maybe one of their favorite teachers because he's the one they can actually talk to and learn from and has no problem, yeah, sort of educating you in, in, in a blunt but friendly way. In, in the way that yeah. old Scottish people tend to be. <laughs> <laughs> I must say, I, I was very confused when you first put, put this pick down. I was like, wait, Sergeant Al Powell from Die Hard? Like, oh, no. <laughs> That's 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 Reginald Vell Johnson. That's a, that's a oh, different God. person. I killed a kid. He had a gun, and it was <laughs> it was dark. I couldn't see. It looked realistic enough. Why are you putting him in class? I don't know. He's a good shot. C c killed that. Yep. You know. <laughs> he knows knows all the ingredients of a twinkie. Yeah, that's 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 learning. <laughs> that's memory. You don't need to learn in school. You just need to remember for the exams. Depressingly. Um. So that's my first choice. 
back round to you, Tim. You're going to go for one of your less orthodox, shall we say. Yes. And my second pick probably shows how unorthodox my third pick is going to be as well. <laughs> because my second pick is Dolores Van Cartier, Whoopi Goldberg in Sister Act. And mm. specifically, in this case, Sister Act 2, yeah. Back in the Habit. Nice. One of the all-time great pun titles. Sorry, Matt. Oh, no, it's fine. <laughs> yeah, I, I've, I believe I've spoken before uh, on the podcast quite a while ago about my love for Sister Act 2. And Sister Act. Both, I believe both it was really one of your best sequels. Like we we, we talked about many moons ago. Mm. Yes. Um, and uh, yeah, I I really love Sister Act too. It was a film I watched a lot when it was. I think it it was one of those films that seemed to be always on TV when I was growing up, and so therefore I watched it a lot. It's very it's very much a classic, uh, inspirational teacher movie, uh, which is weird given that. It's a sequel to a film about nuns who learn how to sing. <laughs> um, uh, but essentially it transports uh, the character of uh, Sister Mary Robert to a school in San Francisco where the, the nuns from the first film have become kind of attached to this school, which is a Catholic school. She is brought in to be uh, the music teacher and very quickly discovers that the, the school has a history of winning uh, choir contests and decides to kind of restart the choir and goes through all the typical, you know, turmoil of a, a, a an inspirational teacher film of like trying to get through to the kids and, you know, <laughs> teaching them, teaching them things in, uh, you know, unique ways. And then it all culminates with uh, a, uh, a big singing competition and they win, of course. Uh, and that's the end of the film. Huzzah. Mm. I I mean I I think she is the she's kind of my tough love teacher in both of the senses of those words because she's quite tough on the kids to start with who are very like undisciplined it's very much it's a almost to the point of parody like early 90s rainbow mix of like ethnicities in the classroom <laughs> mm -hmm, uh mm -hmm. and they're you know they're all kind of rebelling but not in a really rebellious way they're just like oh we just like to hang out and you know like we like oh we're gonna glue you to your seat as as a as a prank to uh to teach you a lesson because we don't like to learn in in this class Goldberg sliding her ass through hallways on that chair is fucking comic gold it's <laughs> yeah. so good <laughs> So there's, it's very much her like winning, breaking through to these kids and teaching them her love of the kind of the the, the Motown music um, that uh, she had taught the nuns in the previous film to sing, uh, and it's it's very down straight down the middle when it comes to what we think of as a stereotypical inspirational teacher film. I think you know those films work because of because of Whoopi Goldberg's performance. I think it does reflect kind of um, the the journey that her character went through in the first film, where she starts out as this very selfish character who is put into essentially like witness protection in a nunnery yeah. for people who haven't seen it, um, and then becomes involved in the choir and, and gains fame through that. And then in at the start of this film, she's gone back to being a like Las Vegas sort of uh, not showgirl, but like a di a diva, a leading act. <laughs> And I think there is a level of character growth that she's gone through and you can see it in how she acts with the kids. Um, there's a sort of a, an understanding of um, 
these kids need someone who is who is kind of an authority figure who is not going to put up with them messing around um but also recognizes the talent that they have can can kind of kindle that spark in them and uh actually form them into uh, a decent choir and i think the fact that the a lot of the kind of the the montage parts that we see is her sort of drilling in just these very basics of like music to them of just singing the notes right in harmony uh kind of is sort of indicative of her like approach of kind of once once you have these basics down once you are a unit it's about it's about forming the all the individuals of the class into an actual kind of into a choir into a group that all works together and then from there their their kind of individuality is allowed to then spring out but it's about turning them from this group of individuals into a unit um that is important plus you know it's got Whoopi goldberg rapping in it so you know <laughs> what's not to love <laughs> it, it's it's a really interesting choice because i agree with tim it's a great choice but of the nine teachers that we list in our list <laughs> a bit of a fucking austin powers moment there this is the only one we see her as a pupil and as a teacher later because she's in school and she's like being in a little shit and it's like right okay can you name all these uh you know can you name the, the 12 apostles yeah john paul george ringo <laughs> and it's like she was an asshole in school she was a you know upstart little fucking class clown joker kind of thing and so, so you see the mm. idea the transition from her being this like oh i'm you know trying to, to, to eventually being in a school environment it's like yeah no i i, I, I see your potential i could see what you like and i've been there fuck you that kind of thing so yeah it's yeah it's very interesting the way that she balances and I, this is kind of common to all three of my picks actually mm -hmm. the fact that she is essentially kind of a rebellious element within especially in the first film yes. like she is a source of chaos uh in in the nunnery and you know even in back in the habit she's very unconventional in the way she does mm. things um and so she is this source of chaos that also applies like discipline to the school um and and says like yeah it's okay for me to kind of like fuck around and do what i want and rebel mm. because i've got I've got the talent to back it up almost and the hard work. Uh, and so if you want to fuck around, you know, you've got to kind of, you've got to, to prove yourself to earn the, the, the right to start kicking back against the system, mm -hmm. which I'm not sure is a philosophy I entirely agree with, but yeah, yeah. Hey, clearly there must be something to it. Cause it's, it's sort of in all three of my picks. Yeah. That's, that's why I think there's interesting about these lists. It speaks to obviously a, how we see the objective of the, uh, the assignment, shall we say, but also, how we um have a bit of a viewpoint on the world and how it's different, despite having a lot of commonality mm. between us, the Venn diagram of it all. Mm. Yeah. And I think uh speaking of her kind of place in, in my in my grouping, she's definitely the one who will put up with the least amount of shit <laughs> in uh, of my group. She is the one who will, you know, lay the hammer down. Not that she's like a super disciplinarian, but that she you know, she doesn't. She doesn't put up with any. She works in fucking Vegas. She works in nightclubs. She's not. If someone's fucking heckling, she's <laughs> not supposed to do with it. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. Handled and equipped. Exactly. Jack, let's go on to your second pick. Like I said, I'm saving my most. I don't think you put it well there, Tim. Who takes the least shit? Basically, <laughs> my final pick. My middle pick. I think it's the only animated one for the three of us. That's true. And was actually inspired by something Matt and I were talking about before we. Uh, <laughs> Start recording because surprise, surprise, 
it's anime. Of course it was inspired <laughs> by Matt. I want to talk about, and this is a bit of a cheeky one, because he is in the movies, but it's mostly about the TV show that the movies are based on and that whole thing, but... Counts. It counts, it counts. He's... I, I've, I've seen the films. He's in the film, so it's fine. He's a teacher in a movie. <laughs> exactly. It's a problem. <laughs> I want to talk about Shota Aizawa, a.k.a. Eraserhead, from My Hero Academia. There's three films. He's in two out of three, if I remember correctly. Mm. So he still counts. <laughs> and he is basically my favorite teacher at UA, which is the superhero school in My Hero Academia that they all go to. He is, weirdly enough, because we talk about the difference between UK and US uh, schools and stuff, he is their homeroom teacher, which is not a thing we have here. We kind yeah. of have like tutor groups and yeah. stuff. I don't know if you guys had that when mm. you were at school. We had like a, everybody gathers in this particular classroom with this particular teacher at 8.30, whatever it is, or 8.45 mm. before your classes properly start at nine o'clock. So you're all there, make sure you're all, anybody got any questions? Do you know where you're going? All that kind of shit. The usual kind of like basic orientation and also just making sure everyone's okay before the day starts kind of thing. And Mr. Aizawa is just the most like dour, just I, I don't, I wish I wasn't here kind of teacher who actually kind of learns to love the kids. It's similar in a way to John Kimball, but very different in, a, <laughs> in many other ways. Um, he is he's animated in a way where like his eyes are just half closed half the time like he just doesn't <laughs> give a shit but in a very like not in a rebellious kind of way in like different to uh sister act in a kind of like oh god i have to do this now like yep hey everybody <laughs> it's done. he's often seen in a sleeping bag oh yeah he, he literally <laughs> sleeps yeah yeah he, he brings sleeping bags with him yeah. and, and travels around and stuff um and the fact that he is the homeroom teacher for class 1a which is where the the main characters of the show are all based you can he kind of just pops up every now and then he doesn't he doesn't tend to get that many like big story arcs in the anime or or like i said he's not a huge part of the movies but he just becomes this kind of recurring reassuring weirdly nice but kind of nonchalant character and i really appreciate the kind of i don't know if he necessarily goes on a journey but he just kind of is ever present and ever like hey kid you did good today kind of moments and you're like oh you got that from mr Aizawa. that's a big deal and they're all trying to like really impress him and stuff and he is in he is incredibly difficult to impress at, at, at the beginning and they're all like showing off that basically kind of like x-men kind of thing like they're all showing off their different powers which are called quirks in this in this series um and they're all kind of like, oh, wow, this guy's got this amazing throwing arm and he throws this discus thing a million miles. And then this other guy teleports the javelin when he's throwing a javelin or can run a million miles when he's doing track and field and all this kind of stuff. Um, and then Eraserhead's power, the reason he's called Eraser is that he can turn people's powers off by looking at them, by making eye contact with them. So suddenly they're all like, oh, yeah, I can run a million miles. I'm super quick. I can teleport. And he's like, no, you can't. <laughs> now you're just kids in high school sit down <laughs> it's, like, it's this brilliant moment that kind of like turns off the kind of fantasy element of the whole thing and is like this is now just a high school full of teenagers and it kind of grounds the whole thing briefly like obviously he doesn't turn it off forever or that'd be a completely different show and completely different series of films but the fact that he kind of has that ability and combines 
that ability in in a really interesting way. Like he always wears goggles and stuff, and like purposefully tries to not do it sometimes, and can do it like really powerfully to villains and stuff. Um, in in other ways, he's one of my favorite characters in that show, and and definitely my favorite of the faculty. I know Matt, you mentioned All Might, which is like the, big, yeah. the the Superman of the series, <laughs> basically, mm. as like the big um, kind of like typical teacher that the main characters learn a lot from as well. But I also really love the principal. <laughs> <laughs> principal Nedzu is so weird. He's yeah, like a, he's like a little bear mouse. <laughs> <laughs> he's an anthrop. Well, he's not like canonically. No, he's, he's yes. not. He's not a thing. He's, not a thing. Like, he, he's an, an animal, animal yeah. chimera monster, mm. but is an adorable little bear mouse in a suit <laughs> who is hyper intelligent and is mm. one of the few examples of an animal that got powers in this universe rather than a human <laughs> getting powers. It's like, yeah, I'm a super intelligent animal, and they hint at like dark pasts for a lot of the teachers. They all have these kind of like dark pasts. Anime. Like, oh, yeah, welcome <laughs> to anime. But yeah, the reason I like I said Aizawa stands out to me is because the the balancing act he has between his like cool superhero kind of like I don't give a shit kind of thing. But you realize like that's really how he is. He's just kind of half assed in a lot of ways until he really cares and then he really fucking cares. And that's the kind of thing I can appreciate in a in a teacher is like you don't necessarily have to throw a hundred and ten percent into everything because you can get burnt out, you can get really kind of exhausted and, and caught up. As you said, if you get too invested in these students' lives, that can become a problem in and of itself. And he tries to like keep his distance. And then there's those little moments, those little sprinklings of like, good job today, you did really well. And everybody's like, oh, wow, yeah, he's so <laughs> cool. I, I am, I'm not a huge anime guy, so I have, have not watched My Hero Academia, but I really like the idea of the teacher in this situation being someone who can shut off everyone's powers because it works... It works so well, both as a kind of what what do you need in the situation when you're when you're teaching a bunch of superpowered uh, teens? Yeah, like, yeah. yeah, you need to you need to be able to get them to like stop that <laughs> essentially, <laughs> um, you know. And it, and it also means that you know, say you, you know, you can have all these teachers, you know, like uh, you know, who've got power to do X Y Z. It's like, oh yeah, but you know, the, the 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 pupil who's got this power could technically counter that. So what happens if they go like rogue or whatever? It's like, well, okay, well this one's just got the power to shut your powers off. So, you know, you're 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 just back to being a teenager then. But it also kind of works from a metaphorical level of, you know, if you think of, you know, superpowers as being, you know, especially uh as someone who comes comes from the X Men kind of uh direction mm. of you know the the superpowers are often linked to you know teen angst and all this kind of stuff and and an expression of all of that and just to have a teacher who comes in and goes like cut all that shit out you're here to learn <laughs> like, i don't care about all your gossip and your nonsense just behave and your tamagotchis and your pokemon cards <laughs> <laughs> you're yeah. here to learn german tim's nailed it by the way that's gonna jump in with the same thing a teacher is someone, not always obviously, but uh, the majority of the time is an individual who can stand in front of a class as the adult in the room, and some of them have the power just to stop all levels of bullshit immediately. <laughs> not necessarily because you fear them or even respect them, but there's something innate about them. You're like, yeah, I probably should pay attention. And that's like uh, some unspoken power, and that very much shows, very much really uh, lines into that. It's like, they don't give a shit, but also stop fucking about. And yeah, it's a very interesting choice. I commend it. 
I could have, like I said, I could have picked many different teachers from this show because they are very much the kind of thing we were talking about earlier with the, it's the location. It's set in mm. a school that all these, anime. basically all of the main characters, yeah, are, are in a high school because it's a high school anime and it's full of, and then, oh, they're, they're all superheroes, cool. And it turns out I end up liking a lot of the teachers more than I like the kids. <laughs> <laughs> because I'm old now. And, oh, God. You hate kids, Jack. That's true. To quote that Dolores very... Umbridge, I hate children. <laughs> Exactly. I'm the Dolores Umbridge of this podcast. That's what, we, that's what we've learned. But yeah, let's move on. Matt, what's your next pick, please, sir? 1988, the year after my previous pick. Um, this is set in the early 80s, however, not the uh, early 1900s. Um, filmed by Ramon Menendez, and uh, it's called Stand and Deliver. Mm. Stand and Deliver is a fucking great film. And it's very frustrating um, because <laughs> at the end of the day, Stand and Deliver is one of the formula ones. It's a film that has been replicated multiple times for different generations in different decades. And we tend to always see one of these movies in one capacity or another. The classic South Park dialogue of how do I get through to these kids? That's the <laughs> premise. <clears throat> and, you know, as I say, we've got, you know, Two Sir with Love in the 60s, and this one's in the 80s, and then Dangerous Minds in the 90s, and Coach Carter in the 2000s. And it's basically, what, what happens if you go to, like, um, a, 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 a working class area of an industrial or urbanized city, and the kids are just being failed by society, failed by the school, and acting up? And one teacher comes in and changes all that shit. Radical change. This is my sort of like, in my faculty, the teacher be like, God, oh, God damn, I, something about that guy. I don't like, I don't like him, but eh, I respect him. Um, and that's <laughs> Jaime Escalante played by Edward James Olmos. And so as I say, the film is set in James A. Garfield High School in East Los Angeles. And the faculty is it's another great example of faculty being made up of like just some really stressed out motherfuckers and it's 80s 30 year olds so they look 50 um <laughs> and they again uh mixed ethnicities and they're all just trying the hardest and at one point the principal saying we're all failing this is terrible and says look 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 every teacher here is doing everything they can and then Jaime Escalante says I'm not I could teach these kids more I could do more it's like okay I, I, I appreciate what you're saying but no, these kids are all gonna fail. They're like, you know, like, um, you know, mostly Latino class. And it's like, they're not of the academic level. They're going to pass anything. There's so many social problems. We can't get through to them. We can't get them up. They're also, they don't want to be here. They said, nope, I can do it. I can do it. How are you going to do it? I'm going to make them study through summer. It's like, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> and he's like, nope, I'm going to do it. By the way, this is another one that's based on a true story. And he is a proper hard-nosed bastard. And um, you've got like um, Lou Diamond Phillips in there as well and, and other characters and they're all, they're just, they show him like no respect. It's like, where's your notebook? I don't do it, I'll do it on my head. Oh, really? Okay, okay. Show me, what's your timetable? It's like that kind of stuff. And he's trying to teach him AP calculus. He goes, yeah, one, two, three, and flips almost, oh, okay. And he gets right down his face. Oh, you're a finger man. Oh, yeah, I'm a finger guy too. Look, look, look. He says, what's uh, tables? And he's just saying, there's a thing on your hands you teach like kids. Like nine mm. times table. It's nine times three. You go, one, two, three. What do you have? Ooh, ooh, ooh. 
it's this 27 okay good you count the fingers that are remaining and it's so condescending at the end of the class he's like no 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 everyone go right you you no don't you you stay afterwards i'm gonna talk to you um and he says it's like what what do these kids need ganas ganas i was like what's ganas it's like basic translate it's like desire or motivation they want to be passionate to do it they have to and it's the classic example of these kids are are expected to fail from day one why should they give a shit it's like i will give them a passion and a reason to give a shit and to show them they're actually very fucking smart and they can be good and it's it's the typical cliches we've seen done so much now but it's done really well and it's it's so like almost is so good he's so compelling in that movie it was just clips James almost is so he's, good. He's, he's brilliant. yeah because he doesn't have the thing what you have like in like dangerous minds which you know michelle five parts like, i used to be a marine oh shit mm. she could do karate and shit and just he doesn't do a thing <laughs> like with coach car where you know he beats the shit out of them it's like you're not supposed to do a student i'm not i'm, I'm, I'm your new coach or whatever basketball coach he just literally just gets through to them in a really uh impressive way cuts through the cynicism and slight spoilers, you know, he's trying to encourage them, teach them to do all this stuff. And then when they do the exams, the exam board, the educational testing service, uh, are like, mm, we think these kids all cheated. It's like, the fuck? No, they, all, they, they worked their asses off. Fuck you. No. And then they have to do like resets for the whole thing. Um, and again, it's, it actually was, you know, it's, it's, uh, the real events took place in the seventies, and Jaime Escalante is a real person, and um, it's why it's why uh, almost has this ridiculous fucking comb over in that movie, um, <laughs> shaved his head and stuff. But again, it's 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 captivating filmmaking. It's really good. Um, I I enjoy it thoroughly, um, and I think it's one of those movies. As we've had a lot of these types of movies, and this is my favorite example of that particular. Uh, way of talking about you know teachers getting through to the to the pupils yeah it's not not one i've seen but i think the idea of edward james almost as a as a tough love teacher just is so spot yeah. on <laughs> I, agree. I, I, I i recommend it very high of the three movies i'm about to talk about today i mean i love the last emperor but it's a, it's a long ass movie and it's a very historical thing but mm -hmm. stand and deliver it's like an hour and a half an hour and 40 minutes go watch it it's fucking great really good really mm -hmm. good performances yeah, the reason I actually ended up watching Stand and Deliver, uh, I want to say it was ten years ago. I want to say when I, basically I'd watched Battlestar Galactica, and I was like, "What is it with uh... James Olmos? What else has he been in?" <laughs> and it was like all these awards and stuff, and I was like, "Huh, Blade Runner." So, <laughs> well, yeah, obviously I I had already I seen him. That, yeah. I had not put two and two together that Gaff and uh, Adama were the same person. I had <laughs> like I saw Blade Runner. When I was younger, and I was like, probably like two or three years beforehand, and I was like, "Holy shit, that is Edward James Olmos!" Yeah. But yeah, <laughs> I I really really love the the kind of it's something we haven't really touched upon is, and again, I'll go into spin off on too much of a tangent, but like the politics behind it, and I, I yeah. kind of touched on it earlier, like, oh, we all had teachers growing up and stuff. Not everyone has teachers growing up. That's not necessarily a thing. If you're mm. from a particularly poor background or a uh, mm. you know, a war-torn part of the world or a poor, a less developed country or whatever it is, you don't necessarily have the same access to education that everyone else has. Despite the fact, you know, Standard Liver is in fucking California, it's mm. the fact that it's a, you know, I think they say it's like a 70% Latin community or something yes, like that. Yes. It's, it, as mm. you've mentioned, Matt, it is a massively 
um, you know, largely Latino community. And they were talking about how basically everybody's just given up on these kids. And it took mm. the real life guy who was Bolivian, I think, isn't he in real I think life? So, yeah. um, Jaime Escalante. Um, to actually give a shit about these kids and almost has this just uh, fatherly is the wrong word, but this like teacherly kind of quality to him, even, even in Battlestar Galactica, like obviously he's a, he's mm. a quite a bit older then, but even in the eighties almost has this kind of gravitas to him and this real kind of like nurturing side to him that you can see in, in in his performances and obviously i hadn't seen him in like miami vice and stuff like that <laughs> at the time i basically only knew him from battlestar galactica and he is very much this kind of like driven guiding hand like a mentor basically to everyone even literally to his own son and seeing him in this I was like huh this is like 20 years before any of battlestar galactica the 2001 obviously yes, i'm not talking yes. about the original battlestar galactica but you can still see the thread there of Olmos's performance. And that that's why I ended up watching it. I really enjoyed it. I don't remember that much about it, if I'm honest. Like I said, I watched it. Again, I it has the formula the time, that's so been was... seen in other films. So he's like, oh, I yeah. know this story. I've seen this before kind of thing. So yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. And I remember looking up like, uh, oh, based on a true story. Wow, that's cool. And how... It is. Yeah, he actually did literally affect the grades of like an entire county because this school in particular performed so badly. Like historically, mm. the fact that they all retook their exams and actually passed and all this kind of stuff actually then increased the pass percentage so much in that community that it like completely transformed the way it was looked at by the school board and all that kind of stuff. And that's teachers given a shit about you know, kids who don't get opportunities like that is such an important part of, you know, some teachers' lives. And like I said, granted, every teacher is different. All teachers are human. Not everybody gets the same opportunities, whether that's access to education or the opportunity to be a teacher who can do this kind of stuff. But yeah, it's it's a great film. And I, I really, really love, like I said, kind of defined for me by the central performance from Olmos. So yeah, good mm. choice, Matt. Thank you. Mm. Yeah, we haven't we haven't touched on how, especially American schools are uh, receive their funding. Um, which oh is, God, yeah. To someone who doesn't exist in that system, you look at it and go, "That's so fucked yeah. up. Why would you? Seriously. Why would you do it that way?" Um, but we won't we won't get into all of that because that that that'll get very political and completely off topic. <laughs> very so background, Tim. What's your most unorthodox? What's your out there pick, Tim? What's your crazy fastball? Uh, my my final cinematic teacher is someone who is not actually a teacher. Oh. Um, similarly, oh, no, in, oh god, starting some shit with Jonathan Firth Clark here. Yeah, I mean you could <laughs> you could maybe argue that Sister Mary Roberts is also not a teacher. I love that you could say it's but, Richard B. Riddick. <laughs> yeah, but uh, she's 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 more of a teacher than uh, this person who. Uh, even though he certainly, if we if we want to take a certain uh, <laughs> definition uh, for how we how we're deciding mm -hmm. what qualifies, he receives a paycheck for being a teacher at a school. That fair <laughs> counts in my book. Uh, that is Dewey Finn from School of Rock, mm. a fantastic film. The performance that Jack Black gives in this film is so good. Um, he's so great. It's I mean it's 
you get the sense it's kind of just him being himself. But the charisma that he has and the energy that he channels into the film is so good. I find it, I, I don't know if this is just a quirk of my Twitter, but like every time it shows on TV, it ends up trending on Twitter because people are just like, School of Rock, I love this yeah. film. Um, I, I, just just jump in very quickly, Tim, I'm so sorry. Just a test for the audience sitting out there thinking, when do you think School of Rock came out? And everyone will go, oh, uh, shit, not that long ago, right? That movie. You're all old. If you know School of Rock, you're old. Yeah, that movie is nearly 20 years old. It's like 19, 18 years old. I mean, it's like, fucking oh, yep. hell. 2003, I want to <laughs> say. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It's yeah. insane. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, is very odd. Uh, but yeah, uh, Jack Black is so great in this film. The fact that he's, that he starts out just hungover and just literally trying to deceive the school into paying him money. Uh, and not giving at all any kind of fuck about actually teaching the children. Um, And then essentially goes through the kind of the cycle of like turning it it almost into a con that he is pulling of trying to get get back into the Battle of the Bands. That is what he desperately wants to do uh, at the start of the film. All he wants to do is get in the Battle of the Bands and win it and perform on that big stage. and essentially using using the children uh to as a as an avenue mm. to get back onto that but then the journey that he goes through and by the end of the film has become a legit music teacher um you know in that the, the kind of the final credit sequence of the film they've you know started an actual school of rock um after he's he's got uh discovered that he is not in fact uh Mr. Schneebly uh, <laughs> Ned Schneebly. Ned Schneebly. Um, yeah, I, it's it's such a great kind of uh, subversion of the inspirational teacher film where he has no interest in teaching at the start of it uh, and but really is so good at like pulling out the various different like talents and passions that these kids have of you know the fact that he turns like summer into a little mini music mogul uh and you know there's the kids who are doing the lighting rig and all the engineering as well as the ones who are actually talented at performing music who he you know helps bring out of their shells and and stuff like that um he's just he's kind of he's what as a you know they're they're kind of meant to be about 10 or 11 i think in that film mm, mm. He's kind of exactly what you w- would want your teacher to be like when you are 10 or 11, where you're like, I just want a big overgrown kid who lets me do the thing that I love, uh, you know, and uh, doesn't doesn't care about, you know, doing tests or whatever. And obviously there's some kids in that film who are like, no, actually, I do want the I do want the structure of school. Uh, but I, he's su- it's it's such a sort of a, a fantasy of, you know, uh, I think it works so well as a kids' film and for grown-ups as well, um, because I think for kids it is completely that fantasy of like he just comes in and he's fun and he lets us play instruments and that's awesome, um, and then for adults it's just it's such a great performance. Everyone in that film is so great. Fucking um, Joan Cusack as the principal, yeah, so fun when she's drunk on half a beer and singing along to Stevie Nicks. Edger. Seventeen. <laughs> so good. So good. Which is just a very 
surprisingly wholesome film, which is why it made obvious sense to transition to Broadway and everything else. And it's just like, yeah, this is a good. Uh, again, I don't, I don't like using the phrase family film too much because I think it's a very strange, misleading term. But it's a very much a family movie. There are things on different levels for yeah. everyone to relate to. It's um, not aggressive with what it's doing, um, but it's doing a, a surprising amount. And I think that's partly because it's Richard Linklater directing. I keep we yeah. re- we mention Linklater a lot on this on this show mm. uh, on our podcast. I, it, it, but usually, like, oh yeah, it's Linklater. That kind of way. Yeah. I definitely every time I'm like, oh, that's a link later. Cool. Yeah. I never yeah. <laughs> I never actively search out link later films. I just happen to like a film and then look it up and be like, oh, that makes sense. That's a link later. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's so different to what a lot of he a lot of his usual kind mm. of oeuvre. Mm. Because so much of his filmmaking is very this very kind of like naturalistic performances. Uh, when I think of like the the before trilogy and Boyhood and stuff like that, where it feels there's this kind of improv heavy, um, just naturalism to everything. Whereas School of Rock does feel like it exists in this slightly heightened reality, uh, where you know the 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 a character like Dewey Finn can exist um, and not get arrested on day one. But- <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but it still manages. You, there's still so much heart to this film, um, and uh, and it kind of, even though he is starts off as a very unteacherly figure, uh, at the end he is in that classic uh, inspirational teacher mode, where as he says, each of your kids has touched me, and I think I've touched That's it. it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> See again with based on based on Jack's current running of three, where by like teachers who aren't really teachers, but then segue into it and like actually, you know what? This is the I I think this is the life. I think this is what I should be doing. That kind of thing of mm. you know this this is what I should. I'm I'm not maybe the best fit for this, but I'm the most for uh, a uh, better word. No, hang on. I may not be the most appropriate person for this, but I'm the best fit for it. And uh, yes. and that's why I know Jack was desperate to get it. Didn't! Yep. <laughs> We've, yes, a lot of uh, crossover between Dewey Finn and John Kimball. Absolutely, which is yeah. Not what you would expect between <laughs> characters played oh, by if we'd Jack have, Black we'd and... Cast Jack Black in Kindergarten Cop instead. Okay. <laughs> that instead, could still I mean, work. He's got the energy. Ah, he's not tall though. He's more. He's closer just, to Devito than he joke. Is Schwarzenegger. Let's be honest. Have you have you seen in? I want to say. I think it's Look Who's Talking one, where Gilbert Gottfried is in charge of the child daycare daycare place. That's what I would think it would be like with Dan Devito or Jack Jack Black <laughs> yeah. involved. Just like, hello, we up to? Okay, we're we're doing this now. Okay, and you're pouring the water on me. It's fine. It's fine. And he's just literally adlibbing off these toddlers being toddlers. Yeah. That's what I'd expect. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, School of Rock is such an influential film on me. As you can imagine, I am yeah. <laughs> basically the same age as the kids, to put that into perspective. So some of the kids are older than me. Some of the kids are younger than me. It's weird. Like Miranda Cosgrove, who is kind of the one that has gone on to become a star in yeah. stuff, mm. who is uh, Tinkerbell, the, the, one of the lead singers who mm. is not a lead <laughs> singer. It turns out to be... Maybe your best is bad manager. And she's like, 
Yes. Uh, T- turns out she's got a ruthless business mind. Exactly, yeah. Uh, turns out Miranda Cosgrove probably does as well because she's gone on to become incredibly successful, have her own she's, TV shows. She was she's iCarly. She yeah. was iCarly, exactly, yeah. yeah. And is now iCarly again, which is weird. Um, she was in Drake and Josh. She was one of the like, Nickelodeon uh, mm. stuff. She does like voice acting in a load of animated stuff. She has, yeah, gone on to become this kind of celebrity. A lot of the other kids have kind of slipped off into obscurity um mm. unfortunately kevin who kevin clark who played oh, the drummer yeah, yeah, passed yeah. away a few years ago right. um yeah was that a few years ago was it this year it's recent was quite recent that was, that was yeah. earlier yeah. this year i think yeah he was um he was on his bike and he was hit by a car or something it was really an unpleasant uh, mm. thing but like yeah one of my favorite things and surprise surprise i'm a bass player i, I like the bass <laughs> player katie played by uh rivka reyes Mm. is a fantastic character and Rivka Reyes has the one of my favorite pinned tweets in the history of <laughs> pinned tweets it was boxing day last year uh, <laughs> and somebody tweeted i wonder how the bassist from school of rock is doing <laughs> and Rivka simply replied i'm gay now Rivka Reyes goes by they and she pronouns She's mm. openly queer and, and is, is a huge like supporter of the LGBTQ community. She's also Filipina and Jewish mm. and like is this fantastic representation of all these like marginalized groups and stuff. Yeah. Follow her on Twitter. She's fantastic. <laughs> Funnily enough, at the time of recording, Rivka has just tweeted Fun School of Rock fact, literally as we're recording. Oh, shit. Fantastic. Holy shit. Originally, me and Kevin's characters, Katie and Freddie, were supposed to have a little romance moment. They decided to take it out because mine and Kev's chemistry was more sibling rivalry kind of vibes. I'm glad <laughs> they did. Katie didn't need a man. Plus, Katie was doing fingers emoji. And <laughs> Katie is definitely doing fingers emoji. That moment where <laughs> he hands her the bass and she does the bass face. Just like, yeah. <laughs> pout the lips and just pump the, mm-hmm. oh, the mm. rocking that uh, low note. is just fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> and it might be one of the films I like... St- Sing songs from just unknowingly. I'm just sitting there, like, yeah, no, <laughs> hardcore. Unless you live hardcore, <laughs> I think I know that film front to back. Every song, every line, I unknowingly quote a bunch of it. Like Jack just yeah. screaming, "Step <laughs> off!" <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. It's one of my I, I, even the behind the scenes stuff, like Jack Black trying to get Led Zeppelin song, oh, the, yes. the immigrant song, in, in, in a movie. Because Led Zeppelin are notoriously a massive pain in the ass for music rights to be used. They've become way more lax over the last 10, 15 yeah, years or so. It's it's, it's weird. In fucking adverts and stuff. And it's like, okay, this is weird. But pretty much up until then, they were really, really strict about what they put their music behind. It feels almost like School of Rock was like the, the, yeah, the break yeah, in the dam. Yeah, yeah, like, oh, it turns out people really fucking love this and we get uh, and we've got a whole new bunch of fans. They put it in Shrek. <laughs> Three? Fuck off, Matthew. No, Four? no, don't, don't, One of them. don't remind me. But there's this brilliant there's behind the scenes thing, and it's the concert scene. So Jack Black has the whole audience behind him, and he addresses Led Zeppelin. Like, Lords of Rock, Led Zeppelin, <laughs> bless us with your mighty love. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just being, as you said, Tim, he's just Jack Black. That, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. He is a huge heavy metal nerd. He is a, you know, a guitarist. Mm. He, grew up being in bands and doing comedy and acting and all that kind of stuff but he's always said like music was his original love that is what he wanted he wanted to be a rock star when he was growing up 
obviously formed Tenacious D with Carl Gass and was in the yeah. successful rock band of his own. And again, kind of parody kind of band, but still very successful kind of rock yeah. band. His yeah, his dynamic with the kids, his he starts off kind of being a bit of a dick and giving them all dickish nicknames and stuff. <laughs> yeah. But then as you said to him, starts off trying to exploit them and then realizes like, no, I actually care about these kids. Similar mm. to John Kimball, as you said, mm. he grows to care about them and ends up being kind of good. And <laughs> even he even teaches Ned. Like he learns like Ned is like, oh, bro, fuck you, you stole my job, yeah. all this kind of stuff. Ned is then shown teaching guitar to the kids of like the <laughs> kindergarten kids at the beginning. Yeah. And it's like this whole influence this entire school, basically. And I can imagine like yeah. it goes on. Unfortunately, the name School Rock has kind of been like bastardized and stolen and all that kind of stuff over the years. But that original film, I absolutely adore. And Dewey Finn mm. is like, yeah, one of my absolute favorite characters. <laughs> Do you want a little uh, disturbing fact, boys? Sure. When this film hits its 20th anniversary, Jack will be the same age as Jack Black was when he played that role. <laughs> oh, that's a, yeah, because Jack Black is almost... He's 20 years older than me. Yeah. So, so he'd be 30. Sense. Yeah. Well, 33 when the film is out is what you'll be, but he was 33 when the film was recorded. So there you go. Yeah. yeah. It's kind of weird, isn't it? Fucking hell. <laughs> yeah. yeah I, re- I just remember pausing the film and pouring over the um, like flow, not really flow chart, but like spider diagram oh, of the history, the history of rock. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which I th- which I think is it like a, a bonus on the DVD or I something. It is, yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. yeah. I, um, I have watched most of the as I said, I hinted with the Led Zeppelin thing. I've watched all the special yeah. features. I still have that yeah. DVD in my <laughs> living room. That is I think it might be one of the films I've seen the most of any film. Like what it was one of those yeah. kind of films for me. Where it's, it's infinitely it's, rewatchable. Tim, you fucked yeah. Jack so hard here. <laughs> I do apologize. Yeah. <laughs> But you know he's he's had a chance. To he's like, to talk he, about he's yeah. a big boy. He gives us yeah. Fine. I'd be more annoyed if none of us picked <laughs> it. You were banned from and picking the, it. And you and forgot. Then, and then we kind of just brought it up, and I was like, oh, "Fuck!" I don't know what <laughs> to but no, I'm 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 glad at least one of us picked it, Tim. And yeah, as much as it breaks my heart that it wasn't me, I still got to talk mm-hmm. about it because you picked it. So yeah. You know. <laughs> well, let's go from one. Very pleasant music oh, teacher. Dear. Jack, we're gonna have fucking to words, another. man. We're gonna have fucking words. <laughs> <laughs> Jack, let's have your final pick. I'm I'm gonna preface this with a big old This is not me saying, Oh yeah, this guy's a great teacher. I'd love to have him in my teacher's lounge. <laughs> I'd love to yeah, everything'll be everything'll be great and I'll have them in my best teachers ever and fictional teachers or anything. Absolutely not. But I think this film is fascinating. I think the entirely, performance entirely. is mm. captivating and engrossing and harrowing all at the same time. And I think the film has a lot of problems because it touches on problematic things. I think the film itself is amazing, but it touches on such horrible, dark, difficult subjects. I don't think it nails it necessarily 100%, but I think it pretty fucking nails this kind of stuff. It does have a couple of weird, like, oh, maybe he was right all along kind of moments. I've people have kind of people have kind of guessed it already. I'm gonna talk about the 2014 film Whiplash. And everybody's like, oh God, Jack, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah, I'm talking about JK Simmons' character, uh Terence Fletcher, who is their like jazz teacher, basically. They're their band leader for whatever the technical term is in jazz. I'm not a jazz musician, ladies. I think band leaders might be the right word, yeah. <laughs> Band leader is probably the right thing, but yeah, he teaches the kids how to 
be in be in jazz and do jazz stuff basically fucking hate jazz i hate jazz too but this film giselle is... keeps trying damien giselle's like so desperate people like jazz but he even has a, a line in la la land where ryan gosling says you can't hate jazz it's like actually gosling yes i can <laughs> I don't know they're like examples specifically like, well, I like this I like this specific thing I like this track but yeah we, we, we had funnily enough we had this conversation at work the other day uh, one of the directors like we get to pick music at work or uh, put a radio on or whatever it is um, and one of the directors is a huge jazz fan and he was like do you mind if I put on some of my music and I was like fine I'm going to be listening to podcasts anyway you, <laughs> you do you John it's fine uh, and a couple of the other people were like I find jazz so stressful to listen to I just like it grates in my brain and all this kind of like avant-garde you don't know what's coming next kind of jazz where there's mm. oh fuck there's a trumpet oh my god where's this trumpet come from <laughs> uh, well, what time signature are you guys in what uh, what is even is the does the drummer know that the bass player is doing a thing like are they even communicating with each other as a musician as a bass player specifically that stresses me the fuck out and i can't handle that like everybody's just doing whatever they want for 20 minutes like whoa oh no no thank you there's no structure there's no thing and i don't know maybe that was that was definitely a thing anyway for me but watching whiplash the stress and the pressure that uh, Miles Teller's character Andrew is put under by this fucking piece of shit Terence Fletcher. <laughs> he is one, and we talked about this with Umbridge, like because it's relatable yep. and stuff. She's so scared. She's scarier than Voldemort because Voldemort's not a fucking magical wizard. Whatever. You get piece of shit dickhead teachers. That's a real thing that happens, and kids actually get you know genuine mental health issues and stuff, and and PTSD and all this kind of thing. Mm from dealing with teachers like Fletcher because Fletcher is just straight up abusive like there's no like oh he you know he was doing what's best for the kids and I said no out and out he is a terrible fucking person but it's so captivating to watch I cannot every time I watch it I think I've seen it two or three times now it is that kind of like my phone is like nowhere near me I am glued <laughs> to the screen J.K. Simmons is just incredible and terrifying, and just those moments where there's the like the scene that's often pulled out for like clips on YouTube and all that kind of stuff is like, was I dragging or was I pushing? Was I ahead of the beat? Are you behind the beat? One, two, three, four, one, two. Now you're behind again, and he's just screaming at him about the timing and stuff. And it starts so calmly, like, mm, not quite my time, not my yeah. And then it's yeah, it escalates so quickly. <laughs> And it, it, his, his responses get shorter and shorter until he explodes. Mm. It's literally just the snapping of the hands, the, the fist and stuff. The, mm, just a noise and a hand gesture. And then he's half an inch from Miles Teller's face, screaming his fucking lungs out. I'm like, this is... <laughs> um, yeah, the reason I picked Fletcher, because I think he is maybe, apart from Dewey Finn, like, the polar opposites of each other. Oh, yeah. yeah. The, yeah. the most memorable teacher in movies for me. Dewey Finn is the positive one for me. You know, that, like I said, that's the thing I grew up with. I absolutely love the whole kind of, like, you know, growing up playing rock music and all that kind of stuff. That is integral to my experience at school mm. and me growing up. And I was 10 when the film came out. It's fucking perfect. Mm. Except I was 20-something when this film came out. I would have been 23, 24. I'm like, I'm an adult now, and uh, oh, 
thank God I didn't have to go through any of this shit. Thank God I'm not a drummer in a jazz band. (laughs) (laughs) First of all, I can't think of anything worse being a drummer (laughs) in a jazz band. But even having to deal with this abuse and assault and literal torture. And uh, yeah, Fletcher is such a fascinating character to me. He's such a horrible, horrible man, but is so... It's such an interesting character study because people like that exist. That's mm. the scary thing. And a said, lot like, of these motherfuckers exist. People who yeah. take this shit way too seriously, especially when it comes to like really high level stuff. If you're thinking about like, you know, creative things that are taken to the nth <laughs> degree, like, oh, you, mm-hmm. you're pushing to be in the best, you know, jazz university in the world or whatever the fuck. Mm. When you're really pushing kids, that's really common for, you know, Oh, my my son's learning piano. I'm gonna really push him. They get in America, you get like scholarships and stuff on how good you are. You mentioned the funding system to him, like that's such a big part of like all this pressure for these kids to do so well. And the teachers push them and push them and push them and push them. And you get this. I mean, literally one of his students hangs himself. Like that it's the darkest possible subject and like the worst mm-hmm. possible outcome for a teacher. Well, they're rather terrible outcomes but you know what i mean it's a really fucking terrible result of a teacher student Mm. interaction one of the worst things that can possibly happen is you just ruin this kid's life to the point they don't want to live anymore and i know i apologize we're talking about very dark subject here i've gone from like god i love dewey finn to like (laughs) depression and suicide and stuff but yeah whiplash is a fascinating film to me like i said it's absolutely mesmerizing but kind of for all the wrong reasons and it's just terrifying so um, we were going to be talking about this no matter what because whiplash is as jack said a brilliant movie and i rate it very very highly i saw it at uh, uh, an advanced screening eight months before it came out in this country and i kept saying like it's it might be one of the best films of the year but i can't say that because it's not until next year fuck it's a very hard watch for me because anybody who has any form of trauma or history of abuse or anything from the childhood they're like I, this kind of adult like i can't it's very hard to watch that kind of thing but that's just the nature of being well written well performed it's just insanely good and it's a very hard thing to recommend because of that but 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 terence fletcher needs to be discussed anything and jack's entirely right we're gonna be talking about teachers terence fletcher needs to be here in the in the past it's like oh you know matilda miss trunchbull this very cartoony awful awful human being who puts her kids in a literal Iron Maiden in the chokey in the cupboard with the nails. That's a fucking Iron Maiden. You close mm. it and they're, they're trapped in this, this nightmare. And it's not just physical abuse. Mm. It's the mental psychological trauma and the fucking, you know, uh, precision targeting. The idea that he, before he goes in, he says, hey, Neiman, you know, you know gets to know him, says, tell me about yourself. And, and he uses all of that. He uses it against him effortlessly. And when at the end of the movie, He's like, you know, he op- he opens up to him and he he lulls him in and he fucking ruins him. As like, I'm gonna, oh, I'm gonna fucking yeah. destroy you, piece of shit. And it's like, mm. dude, these are kids. What the fuck is wrong? And it's people bringing in their mm. really awful, awful political ideologies about what makes a man, what makes a musician, what makes a person strong. And yeah, you have awesome. to go through hardships in order to form character yes. and all that kind of bollocks. And it's yeah, like, yeah. well, that might have worked for some people in certain terms, but you are an absolute psychopath. Um, and with zero remorse, still things like, man, this kid died, you know what? He wasn't up to scratch. Like, you're a fucking, you're awful. 
And yet, I would say that Whiplash is almost a perfect movie in terms of its presentation, yeah. its pacing, its yeah. tension, its performance is fucking amazing. Agreed. Yep. Except. Mm-hmm. And some people say, well, I don't think it's that. I'm like, it's definitely there. Because Damien Chazelle loves jazz. It has to end with this really like almost uh, cyclical nature of abuse uh, self-fulfilling prophecy. I must abuse these kids to make sure they become the best musician they can because in the past, you know, one very famous jazz musician threw a cymbal at someone's head and if he didn't do that, he wouldn't have got his act together. He wouldn't have performed the best performance ever in the history of music mm. live. You need to be here. 100%. And they do this performance and there's this simpatico there's this literal that the band is there but it's like it doesn't matter it's these two people the audience doesn't matter it's these two people and it's amazing and the film sort of says and jazz is why it's worth it and i'm like you are wrong <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's that's uh, it, as dark as this film is in parts like probably the darkest thing about it is that there are some people who come away from it and go yeah, but he was right in the end, wasn't Fucking, he? He was, oh, he was right to do I, it because he pushed him and he oh, did that amazing performance. God. And that and that really that shows you, you know, that's the that's, power of teaching. That's, <laughs> and the, fi- yeah. and the like, like I said, based my only problem with the film, as you said, Tim, like people take away that because that's kind of the message of the film in a way. Because he yeah. gets the like nod of approval at the end. Like I did it. Does the, Thanks, Dad. He, yeah. <laughs> so he eventually, the like the kids rise up. A couple of kids rise up against him. The parents of the kid who killed himself. Mm. Um, I'm completely spoiling Whiplash. Go and watch Whiplash. I'm not doing it justice <laughs> just by describing it. Mm. You need to watch and experience it. Like I said, the other things I've recommended 12 Years a Slave on this show before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's going to be a harrowing experience, but often those films are so incredibly special. They will stay with you. 100% Matt. 12 Years mm. a Slave and Whiplash are two films that I like maybe never need to watch again in my entire <laughs> life, but I will not forget them for the rest of my life in mm. that same sentence. Because you get that moment where he gets fired and all that kind of stuff, and uh, Andrew, like I said, the main character, Martella, testifies against him and all this kind of stuff, and he eventually gets completely banned from teaching. And then they kind of strike it up again, and you're like, hold on a minute, what? And unless Mm. this is Andrew saying, like, fuck you, I'm done, which it turns out it's not, because then Terrence Fletcher Fletcher does like a... He betrays him and like, oh, I'm. I didn't tell you we were doing this song in the band, and you've never played so it. You've no idea what I, it is. I, I, I know it was you. I know Trader. it was you. Yes. Yeah, exactly, exactly, <laughs> exactly. And betrays him again, and then Andrew does the thing of like, well, fuck you. I'm going to play this song incredibly well as like a Andrew's been in a final... car crash half an hour prior. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And and does this whole like, I'm going to perform it so much better, and like Andrew cuts off. Fletcher and is like fuck it I'm starting the the big drum intro mm. kind of solo thing. Oh good. Yeah, he's finally escaped like Fletcher and he's become his own person and this kind of stuff. But then Fletcher gives him the little nod of approval. It's like, "Oh no. Mm. Just when you thought you'd escaped, they drag you back in." Like Yeah, Godfather 3. <laughs> yeah, mm. it, it's being it, it's I saw it as kind of not necessarily a nod of approval from Andrew saying like thanks teacher because obviously like, he'd been through terrible it. shit here. But it's it's still a kind of like the film kind of acknowledges are like, well, he might not have been able to do it if it wasn't for Mr. Fletcher. I was like, mm. Mm. 
ah, oh, jazz isn't worth it. No, I just, <laughs> yeah, yeah, because it's it's that that thing at the end is that it's Fletcher starts to look at him almost as an equal as they're as they're doing that final yes, like jazz yes. piece, and he's he's letting Andrew you know decide. He's, Andrew's like, I'll lead you in, and he's like, Yeah, okay, that's fine. There's there's a shot in that final sequence where it's Andrew's dad, played by Paul Reiser looking yeah, into yeah. the auditorium through oh, like a like yeah, a slit yeah, yeah. in the door almost kind of thing like the, I, I don't know if it's the door's half open or it's I like think a it's got window a window or whatever. Yeah. yeah and it's shot it's it, it looks like a shot from a horror film yeah someone seeing like a murder or something going on or like you know the the sort of like almost like the end of like the lighthouse or something you know seeing some cosmic horror mm. unfurling and it's like yeah because that's what it is that moment it's it's andrew surrendering to to Fletcher's philosophy, essentially, and saying, like, yeah, all of that was worth it. And and like you say, Jack, like it's it's about like the cycles of abuse almost, because he is he is perpetuating what Fletcher does, yeah. which is you Can know. you can you imagine if somehow, somehow at the end of Revenge of the Sith, they managed to capture that energy where Vader is Miles Teller and the Emperor is Fletcher mm. and and the like Natalie Portman's looking at that door that window like, oh my god what are we witnessing here it's like two mm. awful awful human beings justified in their own existence that they're both absolutely mm. correct and you're like oh god that's mm. how you end up with the worst elements of history this is terrible yeah. but also blah, 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 I'm playing caravan <laughs> fuck you <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. yeah, yeah, and it's like, like you say, Matt. Like he, you, Fletcher uses everything that Andrew tells him to manipulate him, yeah. and like that, the the moment where he meets him after they both like, Andrew's given up drumming, and and Fletcher's been fired for you know quite rightly, um, and you can t there's that you just get that sense of like, it's Fletcher basically saying like, oh, I tried to do it, I was. You know, I was doing it for the right reason. I'm trying to kind of like get Andrew's sympathy again, and you just feel those manipulative hooks going into him, and it's ah, oh, it's so. There is an example of how Andrew is becoming the abuser, and it's when mm. he's talking to, um, I think his brother is his... no, I think he's his stepbrother, something. The, the, the yeah, 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 and basically. They're talking about how, you know, Travis and Dustin, they have plenty of friends and plenty of purpose and blah, blah, blah. I think the cousins, actually, I think it is. Um, mm. And, so, and you know, they're back and forth at a dinner table. Oh, I'm sure they'll make great school presents someday. And then one of the kids like, oh, you think you're better than us? And I said, you catch on quick. And then he said, I got a reply for you, Andrew. You think Carlton football's a joke? Come play with us. And he just turns around and says, four words you'll never hear from the NFL. And the, and the room just drops because it's like, it's, it's the thing you think in real life ends with getting absolutely smashed in the face because it's like, mm -hmm. I've just outwitted you and I've done it in the most cutting way imaginable because I've cut through mm -hmm. to the thing that you are most proud of, the thing you've defined yourself on and told you that you will fail because I like jazz. <laughs> um, and he's learned that from his fucking tutor, from his teacher. And that's the, this is why this is an interesting pick and the worst and best pick because teachers will arguably have an impact on you in positive or negative ways or even if they're just like background i don't give a fuck with that. Yeah. you know if you name all your school teachers you remember the ones you hate the ones you love and it's like who the fuck taught me geography <laughs> who, who was that miss 
Mr. He had a beard, I think. That kind of shit. You don't really remember <laughs> any of that crap. And it's like, no, no, no. You learn certain personality traits from your parents, your family, your friends, but your teachers also have that sort of impact as well. And Fletcher is monstrous. And unfortunately, Andrew is on the same path. And it's like, ugh. Thanks, Jack. <laughs> it's an incredible film, an amazing performance, but it has a lot of weird kind of, uh, yeah, connotations for the future for those characters, I guess. And it's a bit of a weird ending, an uncomfortable, totally believable ending, which, again, part mm. of what makes it so harrowing and unpleasant is this is a thing that happens, unfortunately. However, since we're on the subject of J.K. Simmons, what about your final pick, Matt? So. I've got my uh, Reginald Johnston. He's teaching like history and English and politics and geography and various other bits and pieces. I've got my Jaime Escalante doing maths. I need a science teacher. And for some reason, at one point, I was going to be picking someone like Kirk. Because <laughs> Kirk and Spock in the Star Trek, and Pike in the Star Trek films are tutors at an academy. I'm like, yes, Star Trek. Yeah. Fuck yeah. <laughs> and then I had a weird thought. <laughs> and I went down a weird road. So we got films from 1987, 1988, both fantastic movies I recommend highly. Uh, and now a dog shit film from this year that is bad. I don't recommend it. It's not good. The film is The Tomorrow War, directed by Chris McKay. If you don't know what The Tomorrow War is... The, the Chris Pratt movie. The Chris Pratt movie. Oh, God. Well done. That's right. The Chris Pratt future time-traveling movie, an Amazon original movie, which I don't think it started out that way, but they bought it because I think Paramount didn't want it. Well, it's not coming out in fucking cinemas. Yeah. Was it? They were like, so, fuck yeah. this, you can have it. Uh, it came out in July of 2021, so it's very, very recent. It's one of the most recent ones we've ever discussed in this sort of thing. And it, it, it dumb, folks. It dumb. Basically, it's about... Uh, it's set in December of next year. It is, yeah. Because obviously pandemic wasn't a thing. This uh, science biology teacher, played by Chris Pratt, called Dan Forrester, he is, I think he's just, he's just at home with his family, or like Thanksgiving or some sort of thing, and they're watching the World Cup football, as in our football. I'm <laughs> like, okay. At which point there's a huge sort of temporal rift, and soldiers from 30 years in the future come through and say, hey everybody, we're at war. And I'm like, what the fuck is happening? And there's the thing, we need to get everybody from the past to come fight in the future war. And like, okay. And then um, there's, it jumps forward and talks about how there's a draft and everyone gets drafted into this experience. And then everyone goes like very, very minimal percent come back. I think like maybe less than 30 come back on the seven day deployment into the future. And it's a real sort of like, you know, Iraq, Afghanistan, Vietnam kind of analogy. A very, very blunt one, if you ask me. Um, and everyone comes out with PTSD and survivor's guilt and all that sort of stuff. And the knowledge that the future's fucked. So what are we doing anyway? And they only send back people who die um, in the actual initial impact event, shall we say, of the alien arrival of these, these creatures. And there are parts of this film that are quite good. Parts of this film actually work quite well and are quite interesting. But most of it is dog shit. Um, so why am I including it in my my faculty as it were because i've got my stern scott who's actually quite uh engaging and, and heartfelt and sincere mm -hmm. i've got my bolivian bloke who's going to be able to talk to the more troubled and difficult kids and get through to them and 
really push them to do things that they don't want to do and give up their time to better themselves. I've got these pushes. I've got these great individuals. Now I need an American hero and or an idiot. <laughs> I, need, I need a Chris <laughs> Pratt. I need a friendly teacher who is going to basically teach you biology. And if the shit kicks off, don't worry, because he used to be a fucking Marine or whatever he is. <laughs> um, I think he used to be like a... What the fuck was he? So basically, it's... I think he's a beret. Yes, he's a Green Beret. He was a Green Beret, sorry. So basically, he's the, you know, almost an 80s fucking character in that he's like, I used yeah. to be in this and this and I do this. I'm like, what the fuck is this? It's like, I'm a dad <laughs> and a Green Beret. Michelle... Michelle Pfeiffer, yeah, oh, he goes to Future Wars. Um, yeah, so so it is. It's ridiculous, but he he can engage with a group. He engages with the class. The class, even the class, have nothing because they think the world is over. He's still able to teach them a bit because it's like I know this is pointless. We're going to have a conversation. We we need to fight for some sort of future here. We need to have it, some. You know, you have the tools, and it's like, well, what's the point? Um, and if if you know for whatever reason the aliens attack the school, he's got you covered. Problem solved. Um, so he's 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 going to be the the muscle, and it's weird because as Jack mentioned, J.K. Simmons is in this movie. He plays his father. He's his dad, yeah. And the idea is that he has a real problem because his father abandoned him, and because he had his own problem. And J.K. Simmons' character is like, I fought in Vietnam, and when I came back, I was not right in the head. And if I'd stayed with you and your mother, it would have been worse. He's like, no bugger that. I'm your child. Yada yada. And you should have been there for me, and so on and so forth. And then, of course, because he's jumped to the future, his daughter might have the same relationship, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But um, yeah, I, I was thinking about I wanted a rounded team, as it were, a rounded faculty of educators who are physically able of educating a class, but also someone who was able to defend them if things sort of kicked off in a school. Because unfortunately, just to get really, really serious for a second, schools are not safe places. They should be. They should be the most safe. They should be absolutely protected every go, every way. But they are constantly underfunded, underutilized, and uh, mismanaged. And kids who are, you know, just in really troubled places for lots of reasons are are failed by the system, and you know aren't picked up as it were. And it's like, no, this person will definitely have an episode. They, we need to be dealing with this. And so, I need someone who can rally a class and protect them and that kind of stuff so that was my logic in going with dan forrester the green beret fucking biology teacher in the shitty the tomorrow war you're welcome well i like i like that we've each got a character who can be uh like a protective force in the classroom so you've got you've got dan forrester jack's got john kimball who obviously can be and then mm. i've got uh sister, Mar sister mary roberts who can just uh <laughs> whoopi goldberg whooping ass yeah. I like it. Well, she's called Whoopi, right? Because she whoops ass. Oh, exactly. Yeah. Little known fact, ladies and gentlemen. Weirdly enough, um, I, I tried to watch The Tomorrow War not too long ago, and I gave up like 20 minutes in, and I was like, I'm, I might come back to this. I'm not in the mood for this, because it got real dumb real quick. And I was like, I think I'm over Chris Pratt. I'm not going <laughs> to he, He's a, like, super hardcore, like, evangelical Christian nutter. And, oh, yeah, yeah. Like, kind of everybody suddenly realized what a dickhead he is and the whole him splitting up with Anna Faris thing and speaking of Schwarzenegger now married to Catherine Schwarzenegger yeah weird that, yeah, yeah. that's a whole thing um, it's a weird kind of like I don't know I feel like we had this huge Chris Pratt 
renaissance when guardians of the galaxy happened and mm. everybody's like mm, yeah maybe not 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 great anymore and people are kind of backing off him a little bit and yeah I'm 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 not entirely convinced chris pratt is going to be a big star for much longer but shit like this is the kind of shit i can imagine him doing forever yeah. but if i remember correctly isn't it like an incredibly expensive movie, like one of the most expensive movies ever made, and then it was just churned out on Amazon. Yeah, um, it was. It was like two hundred million initial yeah. projection, but I think that actually, yeah. in terms of reshoots and things like that, it's actually a lot higher than that. Also, they I went think to like they're doing a, a quarter sequel. of a billion dollars on the budget, and it's like, and just stick it on Amazon, you'll be yeah. fine. Like, Ooh, okay, yep. It did. I think it, they're already working on a sequel as well. Yeah, because of course they are. I think it. Um... Trevor Harry, I think it genuinely succeeded in inverted commas on and because we know that streaming is such a hard thing to gauge in numbers, but it did big fucking numbers mm, uh, for Amazon. Yeah. And so that's why I genuinely think a sequel is coming to this thing. Um Yeah. Do 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 you want something that's kind of like Edge of Tomorrow or Starship Troopers, but shit. not as clever as <laughs> either of those films? Yeah. This is the film for you. Yay. <laughs> it's kind of weird that they have J.K. Simmons, having been in the Vietnam War in that film, that's uh, I was just checking the dates on it. He could just about have squeezed yeah, in. Just, just, yeah. He yeah. looks like he's old enough. That he could have come with a different conflict, but it's like, nope, has to be that one because that's the analogy we're going with. I'm like, all right, fine. This is yep. America, so it has to be Vietnam because yep. we can't <laughs> stop talking about Vietnam, even though we lost. Here's a quick question for you. Let's wrap everything up with a good old Rotten Tomatoes game. Oh shit! Okay. Oh, one simple question for you. Well, I guess it's two-parter. What's highest? What's lowest? Oh, fuck Out me. Of... Yeah, you're welcome. Out of the nine films we've just listed here, take your pick of the My Hero Academia. Spoiler alert, it's not My Hero <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, We damn. have The Last Emperor, Stand and Deliver, The Tomorrow War, which are Matt's three picks, <laughs> Whiplash, Kindergarten Cop, My Hero Academia, blah. Sister Act 2, School of Rock, or Donnie Darko. What do you think has the highest? What do you think has the lowest score? On the tomatometer, as of September 2021. <laughs> I think Whiplash will be the highest Ooh, scoring, because that was very critically acclaimed. Yeah. It is a bit of an um, Oscar wanky kind yeah. of film, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, J.K. Simmons got an Oscar for it. It yep. got an Oscar for editing, yeah. which was well-deserved, because it's like so well edited like Bohemian um, Rhapsody <laughs> <laughs> I won't let that go I I think Sister Act 2 is probably the lowest Ooh. scoring on the tomatometer low on the to tomatometer but not in your heart <laughs> exactly um, my other my other one I'd be tempted to go for is Kindergarten Cop mm. um, but I yeah I think because Sister Act 2 is a is a sequel and kind of just retreads the same ground as the original. If I'm being entirely yeah, honest, um, I think I think it wouldn't have done well, uh, especially at the time. So that's that's my guesses. Fuck me. Matt, uh, yeah, um, I'm gonna say. I, I kind of agree with Whiplash, but it'll just be difficult. I'll say I think School of Rock. I don't think a lot of people said Ooh. anything bad about that movie, and if not, it's gonna be very high in my opinion. In terms of a lowest. I feel Tomorrow War, but it's a very functional movie. Some people say, yeah, it's trash, but it's okay. And it is, it yeah. is genuinely just, it is okay. Yes. There's some yep. decent visuals, decent concepts in it. Kindergarten Cop was that era when, you know, it's like, oh, you know, muscly ass 
action star does family film and people did not yeah receive that very well but yeah let's say let's say, to, let's say tomorrow war and school of rock please well i can tell you the highest score is 94 percent is that all with an audience score of also at 94 percent oh. i'm not telling you what the oh. film is yet and the lowest is 19 percent 19 fucking hell what the hell with, is with 19? an audience with an audience score of 61 percent and in fact one of you has absolutely nailed it and that is tim yeah sister act 2 is 19 sister act 2 is 19 fuck off on rotten tomatoes <laughs> like i said as of recording all the usual yep. kind of uh disclaimers that we've I mean, out there the audience of 60 makes yeah that feels more makes appropriate. a lot more sense yeah yeah uh, weird enough the second highest is in fact school of rock with nine ninety two percent nice mm-hmm. i'm glad it's i'm glad it i was got recognized. very pleasantly surprised um then stand and deliver with 90 the last emperor with 89 uh donnie darko with 86 then we get down to the much lower things. Tomorrow War by 1%. So 52% <laughs> for Tomorrow War and 51 for Kindergarten Cop. And all the way down to Sister Act wow. 19%. So well done, Tim, for getting them uh, spot on there. And yeah, <clears throat> 94. I don't think we've ever seen a 94% Tomatometer and a 94% audience score. Whiplash is a, is a special film for sure. Mm. And uh, Damn. yeah. Basically, everyone in that film was yeah. a terrible person. So Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely go and watch it, but do not take any educational lessons from Prepare it. Prepare yourself, but go and watch Whiplash. Yeah, absolutely. And on that note, thank you much for listening, everybody. Thank you much to Jonathan for picking this topic, because it did actually, as much as I came out of like, oh, God, when, when he told us about this, and like I said, when Matt kind of chatted to him, like, can you clarify a couple of things? I was like, oh, no. Actually turned into a really interesting discussion, I think. And I think we mm. we managed to uh talk about some interesting characters and interesting teachers. If you have any particular teachers you think we've missed out from the world of the big screen, please do let us know. You can hit us up on Twitter. We are sequelizers on Twitter, we're sequelizers on Instagram, we're sequelizers on Facebook. Come and chat with us. If you want to chat with us even more directly, and there is always post show discussion, whether that's the Patreon release on the Friday or the public release on the Tuesday, come and join the Discord. Links for that are always on our website, our newly revamped website, where you can click a little, literally click the invite button on the Discord like page, and it will take you straight there, and you'll get accepted, and it's a lovely little thing. You can actually listen to the show on our website now. If you don't want to go and download it, you can stream it episode by episode. The entire back catalogue of 120-something episodes is in fact on the website. So you can go to sequelizers.com, you can find all the episodes, you can find the shop, you find the Discord, all the links for all the social media stuff. It's it's a hub of information for sequelizers <laughs> stuff. If you want to talk to me directly, I am JLW Chambers on all the social media. Matt, how can they find you? Stogs, S-T-O-G-H-Z on the social media. You can go to cheesemint.com and see the things that I make. You can go to the redrighthand.co.uk to see the reviews that I write. Matem? 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 I'm not here today. (laughs) (laughs) I've got a dummy in my bed and a cassette tape of uh, breathing sounds playing. That's all we expected. Tim hasn't been in this recording. (laughs) (laughs) 
been taking a day off. Uh, but no, you can find me, uh, even when I am taking days off, on Twitter, trivia underscore lad, uh, for all my current nonsense. Well, thank you very much for listening, everybody. We're getting towards the end of the interseason. Be prepared for the upcoming season nine, where there's still more things to discuss in this interseason. It's a very, very interesting one coming up. So, uh, yeah, look forward to that. Look forward to the launch of season nine. We've got some very interesting films coming up in season nine. But until then, thank you for listening. We'll see you later. School's out. School's out.